Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go, here we go. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Two Tongues Podcast. Podcast where Kyle and I are very tired. It's early in the morning on a Sunday. This video is going to, it's betraying us, you know. We could get away with, you know, we our voices might sound a little tired on the audio, but, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty obvious that I I got caught off uh, on, on my back foot this morning. Sure did. Sure did, and I text. I listen. I texted you yesterday. Texted me. I texted you. I said, "Hey, man, are you feeling up? How are you feeling? Are you gonna be? Are you gonna come you, over?" I did. Dude, uh, something's up with my phone. Cause okay, so all right, you're not the only person who has texted me, and I I've had issues receiving it. Okay, something's going on with my phone. Yeah. I thought it was their phone, but apparently it's my phone. Listen, man, I text you sometimes. <clears throat> I don't text you a lot, actually, for yeah. being for being my best bud. But sometimes I text you and you don't respond to me. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this guy, I'm like way down on the priority list. This guy's like, Ugh. No, mostly I just forget. Mostly it's like I see the text and I can't respond because I'm working or something. And then I just I just completely forget. <clears throat> Likely story, Kyle. Yeah. So I'll tell you uh, the disheveled look. I don't know if it comes through on the, uh, on the uh, camera. But you got uh, wild eyebrow hair st- uh, sticking up on one eyebrow in particular. It's pretty awesome. Fix these for you guys. Oh, there you go. So you know. Look, they just went right down, man. Awesome. <laughs> so I used to go to school um, when I moved to the suburbs. Uh, I used to ride the bus with this kid named Jerry. Jerry. I, I remember him because... It's a we, funny name for a kid for some reason. It is. You know? It is. I remember because uh, that's my father's name. Yeah. But also because this dude, this dude had eyebrows. You know, it's just like a standard shape eyebrow, but right on this peak before it cuts down on his face... They they got long and curled up. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that before? I've seen that. It's like a wizard eyebrow. It's he. This guy had wizard eyebrows, and he was like a like a handsome kid, and he was athletic, and he was popular. But he had these fucking weird eyebrows, and pretty cool. You say that. It's one step closer to being a wizard than I am. That's true. <laughs> I don't have wizard eyebrows. That's very true. Um, you know who else didn't have wizard eyebrows? Dumbledore. Oh uh, yeah. He should have. So. He should have. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I uh, I still feel very, like I said, you know, caught off guard. Mm. I got a text message from you this morning asking if I was going to be here. Normally, we would have been, like, starting the podcast right yep, around then. Yep, 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 I was asleep. I yep. was asleep still. But th- it kind of worked out well, though, because uh, I came down this morning and I was like, hey, man, i got to be camera ready. We're on YouTube now. Uh, I got to get in the shower. And my wife was like, I have to get in the shower. 
And I don't know. I mean, that that's sort of an impossible situation because you don't win that fight. Yeah. And then you said, hey, I'm going to be late. I'm like, and I have time there to get go. in the shower. And it solved all my dirty problems. I had, we have, like, the complete opposite problem. I didn't have time to get ready at all. I was like, oh, God, I have to leave. Plus, it's snowing out, which yeah. fucking sucks, man. I heard it hailing. Yeah. And then uh, when the, when my kids got up, I was still trying to lay in bed, and I heard them get really excited. They saw the snow, and they were freaking out. Yeah. Remember the first snow of the year? When you're a child, it's like, magic, yeah. you know? I feel like this was a surprise one, and it was pretty decent. At least over, it, it seems like you guys didn't get as much over here. Mm. You got more uh, further away from Stuck the lake? on the ground more, oh, it seems like. But it's just like that, uh, like little, it looks mm. like um, dipping dots. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what my daughter said when she opened up the door, and she was like, it's snowing dipping dots. She goes outside with her, uh, with her mom. They get bundled up. They go outside. They gather some of it. They come in, and they make homemade snow cones out of it. Nice. They did that at... They did it at 8 o'clock in the morning. Never too early for a homemade snow cone. Nope. That's a good point. That's that's what I would say. There's all kinds of stuff uh, newsworthy that, to talk about, Kyle. Israel Adesanya lost last night at the UFC. I, like, barely know who that is. So I'm not certainly not the expert, but Israel has been undefeated in the UFC. He's been kicking everybody's ass. They've been talking about... Uh, they compare him to John Jones early on. Okay. And... Um, He's supposed to, I don't know if he's supposed to fight, I can't remember. They've been talking about a couple of really high-profile fights for him. What happens, I think, I could be fucking this story all up, so if anybody knows, they're going to be like, this guy's a schmuck. Whatever. Um, Fake news, we'd like to distribute it around here. I remember Joe Rogan talking about a guy that that was coming over into the UFC with no MMA experience, but he was a kickboxer previously, Mm -hmm. and Israel came up fighting with that guy kickboxing. And okay. he beat Israel. So when, I think more than once. And he's the only dude to do it. So when Israel comes to the UFC, he's completely dominant. Nobody can touch him. He's beaten like everybody masterfully. He looks like Anderson Silva out there. He looks like Anderson Silva and John Jones had a baby. Gave him an awesome name, Israel Adesanya. And sent that guy out to destroy worlds. And then this guy comes from uh, kickboxing into, into the UFC. <coughs> gets a fight almost immediately to fight Israel. And that's kind of unheard of because he didn't earn it, right? He, he didn't have any MMA but credentials. But he's beat him already. And, yeah. so the, and so it was hyped. And right before the fight, Israel was talking about how of all the fights, this is the one he had to win. You could tell he was putting all that pressure on himself because he's been beaten by this dude before. And he got knocked out. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. And he hasn't, he hasn't been touchable. And this guy comes in and just has his number. It's crazy. That guy is a player. Just... Uh, Instantly. Instantly. After his first fight, he's uh, in, you know, like title contention, basically. And that's one of the cool things about the UFC, about mixed martial arts in general, is you can have a situation play out like this where the best fighter that we've ever seen gets handled by this dude who doesn't have any MMA experience. And then somebody like George St. Pierre comes in. I mean, obviously he's long gone now, but somebody like George St. Pierre comes in who's a technical wrestler and BJJ nightmare, shows up and just wraps up this uh, Pereira, I think his name is, wrap up this dude and choke him to death. Now, somebody like Israel could handle, let's say, a George St. Pierre. But then George St. Pierre shows up and beats the guy easily. Uh, this is all hypothetical, obviously. Yeah. Who destroyed Israel. That's the kind of dynamic you have in mixed martial arts that's so interesting. You know, it's like some dudes will not, they'll have the right toolkit to beat somebody who's unbeatable. But then they fight somebody else and get destroyed. And you're like, what in the fuck is happening? Yeah. You know? It's true. It is true. It's an exciting sport. It is exciting. I just wish yeah. it wasn't 
in Las Vegas and so late. Yeah. It's like really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exclusionary. It is. It's a, there's gotta be some liberal buzzwords we can use. It's, it's marginalizing. It is. It marginalizes the East coast and the Midwest. It's, um, I don't know. We I can't think of any others. I was yeah. gonna say it's appropriation, but that doesn't make any sense. Mm. How are they appropriated? Well, we could figure something out. Mm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know, man. Um, I don't often order the pay per views for yeah. exactly for exactly that reason. It's too fucking late. You gotta man. be up till two in the morning. I don't want to watch, watch the main event at midnight fights. or one in the morning. You yeah, know? I'll just I'll just find the clips to you know the next day. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. I wonder if they did it earlier, if they would have better sales. That's a good question. Probably so, not. Started at seven, you know, and it's over at like eleven. That'd be perfect. Yeah, I, I can still stay up till eleven, man. It's like four o'clock out there. They're getting it started early for themselves out. They just come fight over here, man. Yeah, that's a good, great point. Fuck Las Vegas, fight capital of the world, my ass. We could change, make Columbus, Ohio. I don't know why I picked Columbus. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's make it the fight capital of the of the, the Midwest. Mid, of the Midwest, yeah. yeah, the heart of it all, Kyle. Yeah, the heart of the brawl. Ooh, yeah, you're dude. a marketing genius, man. Like, you yeah. just came up with that shit right off the top of your head, I'm, man. I'm gonna be the next Dana White. Fuck, I have to shave my head. Yeah, and your eyebrows. Do I have to shave my eyebrows? Well, the hair sticking back out. Is it really? Yeah, it came right back out on that on the one side. It doesn't matter. I don't think it is. So I'll tell you a story. I went hunting on Friday. I took a day off work and went hunting on Friday with uh, one of my wife's uh, friends, um, boyfriends. He's my friend, too. I guess I could say one of my friends. Um, but he's just a quiet dude. And so uh, we didn't uh, have a chance over the years to do a whole lot of, like, <coughs> getting to know each other because he doesn't talk. But he's a super nice guy. You know him. He's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he inv- yeah, he invited me out. And I was like, yeah. So we got to talk in the car on the drive. We went down to Mansfield. It's a, an over an hour drive. Uh, so it was it was good, but um, first time I'd been hunting uh, in a couple years, and um, I haven't been hunting much as an adult. I did a little bit, uh, of course, when I was uh, younger with my dad, but I never killed an, I never killed an animal in there. You know, I've seen them. I took a shot at at, at a turkey once upon a time, um, but I enjoyed being out in the woods. I enjoyed like the whole rite of passage thing with my dad, uh, carrying a carrying a loaded dangerous weapon and being being part of the the adult group with the boat with the guys and like it was really it was really important psychologically to have that experience and I, I still remember it very fondly even though a lot of the experiences hunting are hard and you wouldn't wish for them but after the fact the hardship makes it all the more the memories all the better you know it's a very strange paradoxical thing you're like freezing your balls off you're you know you're eating there's a story my dad tells I don't remember this but about uh bringing hot dogs to eat and they were eating like turkey if they killed turkey they were eating turkey and then at one point they nobody was killing anything and they ran out of food and they pulled the hot dogs out of the garbage and ate them you know like, like the two days after they would throw it away or something crazy yeah. there's like and you, you know you got to shit in the woods and it's just like you know it, it, it's fucking so hot during the day and so cold at night it's like you're in the desert man when I was in the when I was in the mountains um, it's so effing cold and you're like peeling off your clothes, getting in your sleeping bag, you know, you're exhausted. And then a couple hours goes by and you are freezing. Then, you know, somebody taps on the tent and tells you this, you know, the sun's going to be up in an hour or two. You got to get out of bed. And the last thing you want to do is unzip that sleeping bag. It's murder. You're like, fuck this. 
anyway, I tell you all that because there's all this discomfort that goes along with it. But then when you think, when I think about it afterward, you know, after the fact, years later, I'm like, that was awesome. That was an awesome time. So anyway, I went, I wanted to keep doing it, and I went back. I went back um, on Friday. I went back to the woods with a friend. I uh, used a climbing tree stand for the first time, and I'll tell you that story because I was kind of afraid. So, tr- climbing tree stand is in two pieces, and it's like the <clears throat> simplest design you can imagine. You strap this strap around the back of the tree. Um, the part that faces the tree in front of you is kind of like got teeth on it, so that when you pull down on it, it grips a hold of the tree. And that is your security. Your security is that the teeth are going to hold. And when you're sitting on it, it puts that weight against the tree. So you're pretty much safe. Yeah. I had no harness. I never did. I never used a climbing tree stand before. I watched a fucking video on YouTube the night before I left. Go out into the woods in the in 530 in the morning. It's pitch, pitch dark. Luckily, I have, a little, I have a little light on my hat, right? So I turn the light on and I get the climbing tree stand up. And I just very, very slowly climb that that way up it's just like you lift up the the back part and then you, you have your feet strapped into the bottom and then you lift up the feet part and the trick is you always want either the top or the bottom locked in otherwise you're going to fall to your death yeah. so anyway i get up about 15 feet in this tree and there's a small tree that's growing beside me and all these little fucking branches little branches but they're all in my face they're in the way where my bow is going to be so i have to go even higher you know and I'm facing the tree on the way up, so I can't even really see how far down or how how high up I am. So I climb up past those branches. At this point, I'm like 20 feet up this tree. And uh, I turn around really carefully, you know. I sit down in this tree stand. I get my feet untangled from where they're locked in. Um, I turn my lamp off. Just click a button on my forehead to turn my lamp off. And as soon as I did, it was pitch pitch black dude I could not see my hand in front of my face I definitely couldn't see how far down I was I, I am I'm it's the, it, as far as I'm concerned it's the middle of the night I am like hanging 20 feet up in this tree with like small fear of heights can't see shit and I was just I just panicked for a few minutes until I calmed down I couldn't see anything for an hour that's how long the it took for me to be able to see anything I couldn't have I couldn't have seen a deer let alone shot a deer um Anyway, it's the rut had just started, and the the deer were everywhere. And you sometimes, a lot of times, you go hunting, you don't see shit. Deer are very careful. Wild animals are very careful, and they can hear you and see you and smell you from way further away than you can them. If if they don't want to be seen, they won't be seen. But during the rut, they're all trying to buck, and the bucks are chasing the the, the does around. And I saw more than ten deer. Damn, the deer that. The deer that I uh, I shot on Friday, which was uh, the first deer I ever I ever took down, it was a very interesting experience. Um, that was the third deer I shot at that day. It was like it was like compared to a normal hunt, it was like a video game. I was seeing deer constantly. Well, it's not like I was waiting for them. A lot of times they were too far away for me to shoot them, or they were uh, fawns that were too small and I wasn't going to shoot them. Um, but two bucks came within uh, range of me, and I shot and missed them both. Um, then I got down out of the tree stand because it was pouring down rain the entire the entire morning. It was pouring down rain, and uh, I got down from the tree stand and took a little walk. But because it was raining and with the leaves on the trees and the leaves on the ground, it was so noisy you couldn't hear you couldn't hear shit. You couldn't thump around walking in the woods, and you're not going to scare away anything. It was uh, very unusual. Usually, you got to be really careful. We walked right up on a doe. We walked right up on a doe. We're forty yards from her. And she just sat there and waited. And uh, 
Jeff tried to take a shot at the deer, but it was raining all day and water got into his sight. And it was all cloudy. He couldn't see anything. And uh, I, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He kept pulling his bow up and putting it down. And he, he gave me this hand gesture like, you know, don't, you know, don't move. And I couldn't see because they blend in so well. And you never hear them. Yeah. Deer just appear out of a tree. It's how they're like little fairy creatures. They're so, dude, it's so strange. Anyway, um, he just he, he just couldn't get a shot at it. So eventually I, I tried to figure out what was going on. So I just really slowly walked over to him, you know, and I'm like, what's going on? Then I see the deer and he was like, you know, I can't see out of the sight. So he and I just switched spots. Nice. 40 yards, broadside, perfect shot, double lung. The, the deer didn't go very far, like 50 yards, and we found her. Um, very, very clean kill. And, uh, and I, I, I guess I'm a little bit bragging about this because it's my first year and I'm excited about it. And we had steaks last night. I fed my whole family, Jess's aunt and uncle, two friends we had over. I fed everybody with the kill. It, something about that feels really gratifying, you know. And uh, um, But the thing that I, I thought was strange about it, it was very fun, it was very exciting, Um the only other time I ever shot at a deer, I had adrenaline rush, like a like a cert. And this is very common. If you talk to hunters, they'll they call it buck fever. They'll, they'll talk about how your adrenaline starts going. If you're you're you get like rubber legged, you know, you, it's a it's like a very strange feeling. Uh, it takes a while to recover. Actually, when your adrenaline's pumping like that, it, it might take you twenty minutes to be like able to walk normally again. So anyway, um, that didn't happen this time. And I thought that was kind of strange. I didn't didn't have the adrenaline uh, rush. And when I so when I came up up to the doe, um, I I got down and I uh, you know I did the I did the uh, spiritual Native American thing. I got down. I put my hand on the buck. I I looked at the doe. I looked at her. I said a little prayer. I was I was grateful, but I didn't have that. I didn't have the adrenaline and I didn't have the guilt and I thought I would yeah because I took a life but um I do you think the adre- the lack of adrenaline is just because you knew that it happened so you were just like subconsciously prepared for it so you just dealt with it better maybe but it's so involuntary that I just I was surprised because when it happened the first time I was surprised but I didn't have any control over it and I still didn't. It's not like I was trying to, to keep my shit together. I just didn't have it this time. And uh, I don't know if that means I'm a tough guy or something. Like, I'm used to it. But I, I don't think so, man. I think I just... I don't know, man. It's strange. I, I don't know what it means. That's why I'm bringing it up. It, it feels like I should have felt different, you know? Why do you think that? Like, what What do you think you should have felt? <sighs> I just think that, that when you lift... When you lift the bow up and you see that deer through the scope, you know in this deep way that you're going to take a life. And it's a very strange feeling, man. And your body reacts to that. And that didn't happen. So the first time it, it, it happened and this time it didn't. And I just don't know what that means, man. My body didn't react. And I expected to feel um, a deeper sense of guilt or a deeper sense of, you know what, maybe even a deeper sense of satisfaction. Like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like when, you know, I don't know, man, if you remember, like, when you lost your virginity or something. You know, especially, I know, especially from a woman's perspective, this seems like a more common thing. It's like they didn't, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. You, you, you build it up or something. 
And that it, there might be something like that going on. I don't know. I'm sticking by my interpretation of it. You, the first time you did it, you had no idea. You had no idea what to expect. You know, so mm-hmm. you got that, and this time you would experience that. So you just like I think you just subconsciously dealt with it yeah, better. It could be. That's my theory. It could be. I'm sticking to it. Mm. A couple other things about this. Uh, this is probably this is just a, like an unusual uh, topic for the podcast, but so. So I had to field dress the deer, obviously, in the woods um, to drag it out. So you, you, you're basically gutting it, you know. And I never did that before on my own. I've seen it done, but I never did it before on my own. So it took it took forever, man. That's, like, the part of hunting that makes me the most nervous. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, if you fuck up, I mean, you can ruin the whole thing. Yeah, and that's very, very disappointing, yeah. especially when you know you have taken it life. Um, but I'll tell you one thing I was s- struck by was how colorful the organs are. I don't know what I was expecting. I've seen it before, um, but I don't know what I was expecting. It's like uh, a lot of the organs, um, the, 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 the um, material on the outside, whatever, whatever that is, is very pale. A lot of it's very pale and white, you know, mm-hmm. like the stomach and the intestines and stuff like that. And then they're just like, they're just like covered in deep blue veins so it's like you can imagine you just got this white gray fleshy material and it's just covered and you can just see the blue like like um like branching patterns all over it and then the liver was like a it was like a lavender color and then some of the organs were like the deepest darkest red you've ever seen like like crimson purple almost you know so there's like a level of beauty to that that I wasn't expecting, and it's you're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> Especially you got some like Jeffrey Dahmer. But that's shit that's going the on, thing. Dude. Like in the context, it's beautiful. His <laughs> guts and entrails, so beautiful. You just festoon the forest with them. That's the thing, man. It's like it's like in the context of uh, death and gore. Yeah. To see to notice that fucking weird, man. Weird. Yeah. There's also no hesitation and no. Like, um, no, like disgust reflex. Like you might think if you're, uh, if you're cutting open, uh, you know, an animal's body cavity and you're seeing things that you never saw before and you're, you're having to put your hands in there and you're feeling the warmth and all that. It's like, you'd expect that you might have some kind of revulsion that, you know, um, you know what I mean? Like some of that might be gross. It wasn't, you know, it's like normal. You're like Dexter, dude. No, it was like, it was like. Some part of my uh, deep, deep instinct was like, yeah. do it. You know, it's like, ah, like I became a machine. I became a killing machine and a, and a butchering machine. It was like instinctual. I knew how to do it. I knew how to do it. Something like that. I knew how to do it. I knew how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we, you know, we talked about instincts before, man. Like the, like the, like the little baby chicks when they're, when they're hatched and they send that, um, they send that wooden platform on a, on a rope they they pull they, yeah they pull this platform above the chicken coop and it has like the shape of a hawk right so oh, so the shadow of a hawk goes down on the ground and the little chickens who have never they were just hatched that never saw um, a hawk before they see that shadow and they instinctually run and hide. I thought you were saying that the baby chicks were pulling a, a board. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that oh, makes more sense. It was something like that that was happening. Yeah, you know, you're. Uh... The caveman DNA was coming out. You were, uh, were you grunting? 
No, there no. Any going on? I don't no, think so. Didn't get that primal. But I'll tell you, should have been listening to like High Lung out there. <laughs> that would have been sweet. That sweet. It would have been sweet. <laughs> Bring your Bluetooth speaker. Uh, uh, that might drive away other deer. That's probably not a good idea. So I, I did have my Bluetooth uh, headphones on me, and I oh, did, so I did, good. I did use them at one point. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna hear anything, anyways. You know. Well, that's the thing. It was raining so hard I couldn't hear anything. So yeah. for for a little while, I popped one of my headphones in while I was up in the tree. I was listening to a, an audio book, which I want to talk about a little bit too. Um, um. So I had a. I killed. I think I killed an animal yesterday. Oh shit! Yeah, a squirrel. Serious? Oh yeah. I was driving and it ran out in front of me. Oh. I've never done it before. I never killed a squirrel, and I. I think I did. I can't really. I couldn't really tell. I didn't see its body, but I also didn't see it run out. Oh, did? But did you feel it or hear? I didn't feel anything. Oh man, you just it went under the car and never came I back. I never saw it. Yeah. Maybe it went to a different dimension. It's a squirrel. The Look. bottom of my car is like the the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I just like, as it was happening and immediately after, I couldn't help but think, why can't animals like figure out how to cross the road without dying? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It does, that seems like a stupid thing to say, but I don't know. It just seems. Um, stupid animals. Yeah. I feel like we are, um, we have low expectations for animals. We should expect them to know how to stop and look both ways. I mean, it's not that complicated. I don't know, man. The squirrels are, the squirrels are pretty much. You ever see kids like on the playground? They're playing double dutch, and they're like waiting for the ropes to come in. They're like, ah, ah. squirrels are like that on the on the street, man. They're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. trying to time it, you know. But they always, you're right about that. They always time it in the worst possible way. It's like yes. I'm gonna wait till this car is ten feet from me, then I'm gonna go, then I'm gonna run <laughs> underneath it and get back out the other side. Before you know, it's like, yeah, they uh, they've. They have little tiny brains, you know? Like, a squirrel's I think brain is, like, that big, probably. I think they're just thrill-seeking animals, man. Yeah, they're... Oh, they're... It's like, uh... Like, humans who do BMX and yeah, stuff I, like that. I was gonna say that... Motocross. Squirrels, squirrels are like the jackass crew of the animal kingdom. Yeah. You know? They're pushing each other in shopping carts. That's what I think. Just running out in front of cars. Yeah. Man. That's... That's a cool theory, dude. The squirrels are the jackass crew yeah, of the... Yeah, I think so. All right. I think so. Um, but yeah, I just think it's funny that we both may have killed animals. Well, you definitely did. I think I did. We Would had, you eat squirrel? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah, me too. I've never had it before, but... I, well, that's not true. I have, but I don't I remember. Have. I was too young. I would. Uh, that's my. That's all. Yeah. I think. Not, you, I don't think I'd eat roadkill squirrel. No, 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 no. I think you tenderize it and you, and you like pressure cook it or deep fry it. I think that's how you do it. Otherwise, it's like... Or you make a stew. Well, how do you fuck that up, you know? Yeah. And that kind of hunting is actually probably pretty fun because you you only have to hunt with like a... Like with a like 22. A, yeah, like a 22. Yeah. And rifle hunting is almost cheating. It's, you know, it's like you're going to you're gonna kill that animal if... if you're you, going to blow it to bits if, I mean, it's a big enough caliber. Um, you could probably get away with a BB gun. You might, like, yeah, 100%. you know, if you're close enough... So, so I was t- uh, had some friends over yesterday. I told you we had, we ate uh, venison steaks last night, a couple different kinds cuts of steak, and they were amazing. Nice, they were amazing, um, amazing, freshest meat I've ever had. And um, 
one of the uh, so the dude the dude my buddy Kevin was over here. He's from Texas, and he said in Texas they um, chicken fry their venison. It's very very common. So they'll have like big parties, and they'll cut the steaks up into small strips, and then they'll bread them uh, with um, flour and uh, salt and pepper, and then they'll they'll deep fry them. Uh, they do everything. They deep fry everything in the South. So I don't know why you would want to deep fry venison because it's such an amazing tasting meat. But um, but he did. So last night we we did that with a couple pieces of it. Oh yeah, and it was delightful. But you taste a fried piece of meat, you don't taste the venison. Yeah, if you eat it that way. Um. That sounds interesting. You said it was good. It was I good. Mean, yeah. yeah, I would. I would do that with any cut of beef. I think it would be terrific. Like a schnitzel, it was like a schnitzel, but doing it with venison seems like a sin. They to me. breaded it. Yeah, with, well, yeah. It was like oh, a, I missed that. I don't yeah, know. it's like a chicken fried chicken fried steak, but it was venison. But it's not. I mean, it. It's like a steak steak. It's not yeah. like a like a tenderized piece of. Um, well, it could probably be any of that, but in this ca- in this case, uh, he was making it out like it, they were. Just pieces of steak. Got it. There's lots of different cuts of steak, you know. But well, yeah, I mean, a lot of time with uh, like chicken fried steak and stuff like that, they just use um, like the cheap, the cheap pieces. Um, the yeah, yeah, and then they just like you know tenderize the shit out yeah. of it, beat yeah. the hell out of it. That's some of that. You know what, man? That's like poor people food that it used to be. You know, it's like the the poor people got the worst cuts of meat, and then they found they figured out ways of making it awesome, and that's some of the best food in the world, man. Like cube steak, it's like completely inedible, and they just pound it to smithereens, yeah. and they they pour gravy on top. It's delicious, it's man. Great. Goddamn yeah. delicious. I kind of want that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go to like Cracker Barrel or something. Mm. I might have a piece of leftover venison up there. I don't know, but if I do, I'm eating it. <laughs> <laughs> you could have it, buddy. Thanks, man. So it was a. Uh, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I'm glad you got. You finally got one. Yeah, I remember when you didn't get that one. That, yeah, was, oh, uh, yeah. that was like a traumatizing experience. It, bo- it, it like. bothered me for a year. Yeah. So, just so I guess for the audience who never heard the story. So, uh, basically what happened was I decided I wanted to get back into hunting because I did it with my dad growing up. And uh, uh, my dad's been sick for a, a long time. And I just thought... Um, because of those memories I had as, as a young man being as important as they were to me that I thought it would be worthwhile to maintain... To maintain that hobby that I did with my dad when I was a kid, and when he's gone, I would be able to carry that on. It was something that spoke to me. It was important to me, so I wanted to get back into it. And I had an opportunity a couple years ago uh, to take a shot at a uh, buck, and it was very exciting. That's the one I told you about where I I was like rubber-legged and couldn't even get down from my tree stand. Um, But in that case, I I did shoot a buck, and it happened to be low. Um, I could tell because when... You don't really see the impact. You're so excited when you when you, that when that trigger surprises you when it goes off. It's like for a second, my it just, everything goes black. I didn't see anything, but I but afterwards, the second later, I saw like a puff of white hair, a puff of white hair, and that's not good. You see a puff of white hair, you you know that on a white-tailed deer, its belly has white hair. The rest of its body is is a tan color. So I hit it low. So I didn't, I didn't hit a lung, I didn't hit a heart, I didn't, you know, I hit it low, I hit, I hit its belly. And we tracked that deer for hours and hours and never found it. So that bothered me, bothered me because I knew that that deer almost certainly was going to die. And it was a waste. And I took its life. And it was, it was very hard on me. And it bothered me. And I knew that I wasn't going to feel okay about it at least I thought that I wouldn't feel okay about it until I was successful until I was responsible and I 
killed the deer cleanly and I was respectful and I did everything I was supposed to do and, and the deer would feed my family and it would be worth the sacrifice and all that stuff that you want a hunter to feel. Um, that's part of what confused me so much about this kill is that I didn't feel a lot of those things that I thought I would feel. We don't have to beat that dead horse, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget what I was going to say. I had something. Mm. Oh, uh, I was going to ask you, this is not what I had. This is a different thing, but um, did you tell your dad? Oh, yeah. So I sent my dad a photo of the deer. I'll show it to you. And um, then I was busy because I had to like, uh, I had to go get the tree stand. I had to take it back to the truck. I had to um, then circle back and get the deer and got it and then t drag the deer back out of the woods. And it was, it was an absolute ordeal, man. I was... I was sweating. I was sweating. I was exhausted. Um, I, I got up at three o'clock in the morning to do that hunt. It's all kinds of things about it are difficult, you know. Um, where was I going with this? What was I answering? I forget. Oh no! If you called your dad, that's oh right. yeah. So I so I sent him the picture, um, but my phone was on silent, right? Because I was in the woods, so I didn't hear him respond to me. But eventually, when I pulled my phone out, he was like. I saw a series of texts from him. He was like, what am I seeing? And he was like, exclamation point, exclamation point. And uh, uh, he was like, call me, call me as soon as you can, yeah, you know. Awesome. So I so I called him and uh, told him the story. Now, so that's one thing you have to understand about hunting is one of the biggest parts about hunting is sitting around the fire afterwards and telling you the story of the hunt. If it's an unsuccessful hunt, it's a bad story. It's a bummer. If it's a, if it's a successful hunt, it's like a hero story. Yeah, it's and, triumphant yes and you share the stories of failure and success and i think that that part of that is like the young hunters will learn from from the old hunters just like if you're telling any story you pick up the moral of the story you learn from storytelling storytelling is very important it's a dying art it's very sad it's something that needs to be resurrected but sitting around the campfire telling stories this is one of those things just like fishing stories and they become tall tales you know and the stories do every time you tell them they get a little different but it's part of the charm of those stories but I didn't have, uh, I mean, apart from Jeff, who was with me, I couldn't tell anybody the story, but wanted very badly to, to tell my dad the story because that's part of it. That's always part of it. And I never had my own story to tell. So this was my opportunity. So I told that story uh, when I got, or the next day I called my uncle, uh, Jim, uh, in, in Missouri, because he would, he would be part of those hunting groups when I was a kid growing up. He's the only other guy that, that I know that hunts that, uh, you know, at least a member of my family. So I called him and told him the story, and uh, he was very excited too, very happy for me, and all that. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Yeah, man. You know, I think my dad killed his first deer when he was like ten years old or something. That's crazy. I, I I'm almost forty, <laughs> you know, so it, it took it took me it took me a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least you got it. Um, it's funny talking about your dad. It makes me, you know, used to where where was that kid whose name was Jerry from? Where, where were we talking about that? Uh, he was he rode my bus. He lived down the street from me. Oh, okay, yeah. that's right. Um, it, the re I think you said that's your dad's name, and I think that your dad is the only Jerry I know, I think. So I think, uh, and your dad is, like, not a boy. He's very much a man. You <laughs> yeah, know what I yeah, mean? yeah. So, yeah, Jerry to me is just, like, not a, a kid's name. Yeah. It's like a kid named Carl, although I actually kind of like that name. Carl, yeah. yeah. So my so my my dad's name is obviously Jerry, but uh, but his name's Jerome. Yeah. And one thing's funny about that is, uh, uh, this is probably an inappropriate thing to say, but nobody ever thinks that Jerome is a white guy. Everybody always thinks Jerome is a black name. I don't know why that is, but 
Does that sound right to you? Does Jerome sound like a black name, like a black guy? Jerome very easily could be a black guy name. Yeah, okay. It's a so, good, it's a, it's a good name. Yeah. I, I really like the name Jerome actually. Yeah. <clears throat> and my and my brother's middle name is is an un, very unusual name. It's a family name. Belonged to my great grandfather. I'm not going to use it on the air for just for anonymity. But there's another another name uh, in my family that is like that. You would you would think it's a, it's a black dude's name. Yeah. All right. Um, is it Lontavius? No, it's not. But no. But this is an interesting topic. <laughs> you see it, um, man. What are, what are those dudes' names? Key and Peel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You've seen that. Hey, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that I love one. That, yeah, man. yeah. That's so funny. But that's an interesting thing. Why do you think it is? Because it, it's it's kind of an unusual thing when I say it sounds like a black guy's name. Because yeah. what does that what does that mean? You know. But we know what we, as Americans, you and I, we know what we mean. Yeah. And, any, and there's people listening here that are probably like, that's a racist thing to say. That's but, fine. You, but that's even fine. those people, even those people they know. know what I mean. Yeah. But the question is, why? Why is it that that the black community in the United States would uh, would choose unusual names? They're going to get canceled. That would, that would choose unusual names. Um, I don't know. Like, it's obviously it's intentional. And they have the uh, the whole like um, catalog of names that everybody else in the culture chooses from, um, but they kind of they kind of do their own thing. And a lot of times, those names are uh, I don't know like they're definitely not traditional, but some of them seem to be seem to be invented, right? Yeah. Like names that didn't ever exist before. What do you think that is? Um, I think that it is just a like a method of separating themselves from the white community mm. you know the the white community mm. yeah um I, I i think it's just a way of setting themselves apart just differentiating yeah and i think that the names uh and i also think like you know the style of speak the yeah you know Ebonics, whatever right. you know, I don't know. Do they do they still use the word ebonics? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't the slightest idea. Yeah, they must, unless there's another name for it now. You know what the what the etymology of ebonics is? No, do you? I don't, but I have a feeling it's ebony, and then phonics. You know, like phonics, yeah. That's weird. If that's the case, that's fucked up. <laughs> I think that's a little fucked up. Um, that is. Got, I mean, I don't. You know. So listen, I I think that the the separating themselves is a consequence i think it's like a social consequence of um of do, of doing that of like of uh bending any cultural norms especially if you're like inventing new names entirely and like you say the manner of speech is uh, is different and it's different it's even different culturally like like if you talk to uh um if you talk to like uh, uh somebody in like Atlanta or somebody in New Orleans or somebody in white or black it doesn't matter you're going to get different accents you're going to get different manners of speech and and turns of phrase and things like that um i think it i wonder if cuz we talk about this from time to time if it has to do with like regaining a cultural identity like they're going to invent one because their cultural identity has been taken from them which i which is the truth it's like if I wanted, if I was from, uh, I don't really know any like African names. Do you know? Yeah, I guess I guess I can think of like some basketball players like um, like Dikembe Mutombo or something. So let's take somebody like that. I don't know what what part of Africa he's from, but let's say he's from he's from East Africa somewhere. Barack Obama's from Kenya. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. I heard that rumor. Um, so suppose uh, you're an American um, and you and you have a connection to your 
past. You know where you come from. You might name your son Takimbe. You might you might say, I'm gonna you, I'm not gonna call this kid Chuck. You know, even though I'm living in America, I'm gonna pass on my culture. We're gonna call this beautiful child Takimbe, and that's cool, man. But but nobody here knows where they come from anymore. And I'm talking about white people and black people both. Nobody knows. Nobody has any idea. And so maybe maybe that's an attempt to to regain a cultural identity for themselves. They but because they don't have a connection to whatever it might have been, they invent one. You know, it definitely seems to be the case with Kwanzaa. You know, yeah, it's totally invented. You know, yeah. I don't know enough about it, but I know it like didn't exist in the fifties. I know that. Um... There are a lot of black people who don't take Kwanzaa seriously. They think it's some stupid shit. Yeah. I think it's most people in the United States. Yeah. You know? Could be wrong. Well, I mean, it's definitely most white people. Well, I, I don't know that I I sh- should say most white people think it's stupid shit. I would, I would go out on a limb and say that I probably think it's pretty stupid. Yeah. I mean... Just... It reminds me... Um, it reminds me of uh, Wicca. And I'll, yeah. I'll tell you that okay, you get it. You get yeah, it. Oh yeah. So it's like we 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 came up with this religion in the sixties, right? Wicca? And, and it, the dude who created it is some like hippy dippy sex maniac who's just like trying to fuck hippie chicks. <laughs> I mean, like the dude unsurprisingly, the guy was kind of a creep. Yeah, unsurprisingly. It kind of reminds you of like some L. Ron Hubbard shit, you know, like some Scientology shit. Yep. It's a complete Wicca Wicca is a completely invented religion. That's based on, hypothetically based on remnants of pagan religion that, that we hypothetically st- still have. The truth is we have almost no um, evidence of how pagan religions were practiced. Yeah. Almost none, especially if you, if you exclude classical Greece and Rome, almost none. Mm-hmm. We have almost no idea. And this guy has thrown together bits and pieces of remnants of, of pagan religion that's even disconnected, like Celtic religion, Germanic religion, you know, and he's cobbled them together into the, into the semblance of some kind of a faith and pretending like it has deep ancient roots. And that's, you know, it's bullshit. Maybe it's the best, it's the best you can do in this situation if you're trying to, like, reinvent that, that ancient religion and you have nothing to go on. Maybe it's the best you got. I... I- I don't think so. No? No. There are people on YouTube and things like that who are, you know, some of them are scholars. Some of them are not, you know, like, you know, maybe they have like bachelor's degrees or something, Mm -hmm. but they're not, you know, uh, but they're still very intelligent and informed people. Um, And they think that Wick is a joke and they say the things that you just said, like that he has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. I and the, they would say something, you know, to the effect of, "I'm much more informed than he is, and I don't ha- really have any idea." Uh, that being said, there are people like um, I believe I, uh, the one guy Jackson Crawford, I think, is the guy's name. He's really interesting. Yeah. Um. He, you know, he speaks what you know, whatever old Norse oh, and cool. yeah. you know translates things, and he also is like a cowboy. He lives in Montana. He's just a cool fucking dude. Uh, and this other guy, I cannot remember what this guy's name is, but his YouTube channel is called um, Norse Magic and Beliefs, mm. I think. Uh, is a, that guy's super interesting. And 
he's he, he's read like everything that there is to read uh, in that you know all of the source material nice uh, a lot of the the people who wrote on the source material um so he's just super informed and a lot of his ideas of what might have happened are just very interesting mm. yeah i gotta put that on the list yeah i'll, I'll send you a video of his okay. yeah so i don't know if it's insulting to compare the invention of Kwanzaa to Wicca, but it seems appropriate to me. It seems like maybe they have more source material for Kwanzaa, but I also think Kwanzaa, I think, I could be wrong about this, that it pulls from different African traditions, not just from one place, but yeah. from different African traditions. It's like Pan-African. Yeah. And to me, I don't know, how, how do you feel about that? Do you think, do you feel like that's, it's like in our country, you've got these universalist churches now that will say, you know, like, you can kind of believe whatever you want and still belong to this church. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It undermines it to me. It's like, well, you don't really believe anything, then do you? Yeah, and it, I completely agree with you. It, and if, if Kwanzaa pulls from different African traditions, then it kind of feels the same way. It's like, oh, okay, but it doesn't, this, this, this holiday doesn't actually mean anything because it's not, it's not from this country, it's not from that country, it's a hodgepodge, you know. I don't like these manufactured... Um, so, I don't know, when... When people have small groups, they have their own traditions, and that is, by its very nature, exclusionary to the people who don't have those traditions. Correct. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's good and interesting. Yes. Um, and I don't like these kind of modern, religion-ish, um, tradition-ish kind of things like Kwanzaa and Wicca yeah. that just squeeze all the life out of everything. Yeah. I'm with and, you, man. And yeah, I don't. I'm not not a fan. I'm with you. There's even there's even like a degree of um, that happening with like Christmas, for instance. Because we we know that, I and mean, we know that we have all these Nor Norse traditions that get adopted into this uh, into this Jewish Judeo Christian uh, thing. That's kind of the same thing. Like we're we're taking beliefs from different completely unrelated religions and we're putting them together and pretending like it's a cohesive holiday that makes sense. It's it's kind of strange that it does make sense. Yeah. It's almost it only makes sense because we all agreed to it, you know. Yeah. It's like we're gonna take the Yule log from Germany, we're gonna take uh you know, the uh, Christ story from the Middle East, um you know which, which is connected to you know older stories you know like Egyptian stories and so forth. We're gonna cobble them all together. We're gonna we're gonna plug in Saint Nicholas and uh, you know. All the mushroom stuff, all the mushroom imagery yeah. into into Fat Man Santa Claus. It's very strange, man. Yeah, it is. Um, I kind of have some kind of weird level of respect for the type of Christians who are like, no Santa Claus shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, on, on some level, like, I, it's if you have kids, it's fun and you want to. Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. Um, but on another level, I do think that there's something to that level of, you know like s strictness you know mm. uh that we're not going to glorify anything that isn't what this is really about you know yeah and if you if you believe if you're a christian and you believe i mean that's a big thing you know that's no joke yeah so so w w how would you think about if we rather than blending all these traditions together the way we did whether like in a melting pot like the united states if people just all had their own christian christmas traditions so like Nordic people did Yule logs and that, that sort of thing, Christmas trees. But but yeah, I but, think that would be better. 
like you go over to your friend's house and like they, cool, they got their own food and their own yeah, decorate like, oh, types of decorations. It would be cool. Yeah, yeah. It would be better in a lot of ways. And you wouldn't have such a giant commercial yeah. uh, commercialization of it, right? Because yeah. if everyone's doing their own thing, not everyone's buying, you know, putting themselves in debt every December for Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. It would be different things that different households were doing. You have that on some level. Like when you go over to someone's house for Thanksgiving, you're like, oh, this is how you make yeah. sweet potatoes. It's like, oh, you your know? stuffing sucks. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, holy shit, these are the best potatoes I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we still, we get a little bit of that, but it definitely would be more interesting. It would be better to have, like you, you know, you stop over at your Nordic friend's house and they've got like an actual Yule log, though, you know, I, I really have no idea yeah. what you, you know, but the way that it's supposed to be, as opposed to just whatever the generic idea of a Yule log is yeah. for people who have no fucking idea what it is, yep. you know, like me, basically. Yep. I mean, yep. I know kind of what it is, but. There's so much flavor and in, in it, it benefits everyone who's outside of the, of the group to be able to have peer in and see that richness, that example of how you can do this thing that's familiar in a different way. And we're trying to destroy that. All the time, everywhere. We just flatten out everything interesting about it. You know, it's like, what, what is one of the most like base experiences you can have with another culture? It's the food, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and the music. And, you know, like Chinese food is, I'm sure there's a lot of delicious food, but then you go to Panda Express and it's, you know, I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. I Sugar like Panda chicken. Express. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's not Chinese, you yeah. know? It's true, man. It, and it's like, I don't know what it is. It's like um, there's like a pull towards homogeneity, right? The culture wants people to be the same. And we're fighting against that in all kinds of ways. And the way we were talking about the black community forming identities for themselves uh, when, when it was robbed from them by the culture, that's just another example of that. It's, it's like, it's like uh, the society as a collective is pulling us all to be the same. And you can see, you can see that happening in the, in the government. Uh, <laughs> and, and we ourselves are fighting against, always fighting against that, uh, that urge to conform. You know, nobody likes to conform. Um, so it's just like a, it's a battle. A lot of people say they don't like to conform, but fucking love to conform. <laughs> they, the conforming is their shit. Well, you have to conform in order to get along to some degree, right? Sure. But people, yeah, people still want to be unique. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly do. Something about people conforming and doing things, um, doing things, I don't know. Maybe against their logic or against their better judgment uh, to fit in or to be able to fit in. It reminds me of um, the shot, you know, the, the jabby McJab. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so you see a lot of, I mean, I guess one of the companies, maybe Moderna or Pfizer is um, like it, they're looking into all of this myocarditis. Yep. They, they're they just now, after they've injected tons of fucking mm. people looking into this, you know? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It's man. very strange. It's weird as hell. It's very strange. If they find out that there's uh, significant health risks to a significant portion of the population, if they determine that eventually and everyone agrees to it, we're going to be in this situation where, where the, 
government at the highest level and, and society at the highest level, big corporations and, and peer pressure and the whole thing, were for years forcing it down everybody's throat, some willingly, some, some less willingly. And the blood will be on our collective hands. And we did, we did that out of fear. And there's something very, very off-putting and dark about that. You know what makes it even more dark and off-putting? Is the fact that now it's like not even a big deal, you know? True, yeah. It doesn't fucking matter at all. It was, you were going to kill grandma if you didn't get it, if yep. you didn't wear the mask and get the vaccine. And now it's like just not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. They want us to forgive them. They do. But they're still, but they're still, like Biden is still saying, go get vaccinated. Fauci's still yeah. saying, go get, get your boosters. So even now when they're starting to become um, a little bit of a public um, at least interest in figuring out getting to the bottom of all these of all these potential side effects. Even now, with that happening, there's still the government at, at the highest levels are still saying this is the best thing for you. Go get your vaccine. So that's going to be the hardest thing to defend if this all comes, you know, to a head. Yep. And it might not. Yeah. I, I'm just proud to say that I they never got me, man. Yeah. They never got me. They, yeah, they didn't get me. They, they tried very, very hard. Yeah. 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 It's disappointing. What, what do you think about um, the Texas uh, federal federal judge in Texas um, putting a hold on the student loan forgiveness that Biden's trying to do? I just don't really give a shit yeah, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like a couple years ago, I would have been like, "Oh, we shouldn't pay it." You know, but you know, it's not taxpayer money. Blah blah blah. And I mean, honestly, I do kind of still feel that way. Yeah. Um, but I just don't fucking care. Yeah. Like we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Pay people's fucking college. Just let them not pay yeah. it. It's yeah. fine. It doesn't matter. So I've got I've it's got a drop in the bucket. Yeah. I got a big chunk of student loans, and I pay uh, those fuckers off, I, man. Yeah, I I don't care. Like I I don't really care one yeah. way or the other if they yeah that's true. If they guess. forgive them, they forgive them. If they don't, they don't, and I'll deal with it whichever way it goes, you know. Yeah. Um, but if I didn't have student loans, I think I would probably feel. <laughs> I think I would probably feel more like what you were what you were describing. We shouldn't be paying. We shouldn't be yeah, doing yeah. it, you know. Because I'm just as hypocritical as anybody else. I just at least I admit to it, you know. I don't have any student debt. Because I uh, didn't go to college. Actually, I did go to college for a couple of classes. <laughs> all right, and that the one class, the one like serious class that I took, has actually come in handy in nice. my job. It was a blueprint reading class. Nice. I fucking read blueprints at this job. Nice, so, nice. Fate. Uh, you know who else or, tells that story? Who? Joe Rogan. What story? That he went to college for like one class. Oh yeah. And then he was like, "This isn't for me." Well, I got a podcast, so I'm gonna be the next Joe Rogan. Basically, Joe Rogan. You know, I think I think I've said this on the podcast before, but now that we are on YouTube and we're like moving up in the world, oh yeah. Pretty soon we're gonna be famous. Pretty soon. It's, any any, it, any, any minute. <laughs> you know, uh, we're gonna take off. So I am preemptively setting a goal for myself for our for our fame. Yep. And I. This is official. Okay. We okay. need to put this out there. I'm calling out Jake Paul. Oh shit. We're gonna we're gonna box. Oh shit. So after he's done with uh Mopping you up. Andrew Tate. Okay, yeah. Um which I'm not sure he's gonna win that fight, but uh I, I it's time. It's time. The call it, the the challenge has been leveled. Mm, mm. Listen, I don't know who Andrew Tate is. Does you don't it, know who Andrew Tate is? Yeah, pop, you do. Doesn't pop in my head immediately. Cobra Tate? 
even if he loses that fight, he wins. Because he's going to make so much money. Yeah, man. yeah. But I just question if he loses, does that affect the money-making machine? Mm. You know, I don't think it would immediately because like there's a lot of hype for the rematch. Maybe yeah. you know what I mean. But if he gets if he gets whooped twice in a row, then it starts to decline. I think. Yeah. You know. Then he goes. Then he goes to uh, work for the uh, the WC, the WWE. Uh, his brother already has. Oh, is that right, dude? They're fucking talented, man. They're really? like impressive. Is, is his brother actually wrestling? Logan already? Paul, yeah. Um, he's not like a wrestler. He's not like there on a regular basis, but you know he's a huge celebrity. So they yeah. have him come in at like WrestleMania. Oh shit! And he's, I didn't like, know that. Seriously good. It's like um, it's what? What is he displayed? What is he displayed that you know he's capable of doing? Solid wrestling ability, like really? all around. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if he was a fan growing up. Probably. Yeah. I mean, who wasn't? <laughs> Everyone loves wrestling. Yeah. Um, Everybody loves wrestling. You don't. I know you yeah. don't. You think it's goofy as hell, but you I know. mean, listen, I appreciate. The, the athleticism and yeah. the beautiful ladies just like every other red-blooded American um, but the soap opera stuff and the stories and the backstories and the character development can suck my dick I don't care for it man yeah I understand the appeal it just seems like a Matt's gonna hate this the, the soap opera piece seems like something a girl would like and I don't understand what are the TV shows that you watch I mean it's all dry it's all fictitious drama I mean uh, all yeah, of it is like something a girl would you, like. Yeah, but you, you missed the point, man. It's the uh, soap opera iness. It's the over the toppiness. It's the it's the unbelievability. Like make if you, if you're gonna do that, make it realistic, man. Like as an example, you, imagine imagine okay, it, imagine if the remember that thing that happened with Conor McGregor and uh, who's the guy that where he threw the he threw the um, like chair at the bus. I forget. I know what you're talking about. So. It all happened at the build-up to one of Conor McGregor's fights. Imagine if all of that was staged. It, it might have been. It might have been. So, That's fine. They're they're making it exciting, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But the fact that you have to... I have to ask. Imagine if it was staged. Means it wasn't obvious that it was staged. And the WWE, it's obvious. It's obvious. And the character arcs, and everybody knows it. It's like, who's, who's going to get bad blood with who next? It all depends on who the fans want to see that, fight each other. I just don't understand when you watch a TV show, you don't think that. You're like, oh, this fucking Daenerys Targaryen, like she's actually got beef with these people from from a Marine, you know? like If, if, Daenerys, the, listen, the, if Daenerys Targaryen grabbed a microphone. It's, you're like, it's not real. If she grabbed a microphone and got on the stage and said, listen, brother, you know, and and... She it, does. She it, says Dracarys and, and it's uh, fucking cool when it's oh, fire it's, on people. But it's it's goofy the, as shit. The difference is that you wouldn't call Game of Thrones soap opera. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. I don't. I guess I don't know. There's something. There's a point I'm trying to make, and maybe I don't have the words to make. It's the delivery. It's the way. It's the way it's fake. It's the way it's fake, man. The stuff that's not fake is impressive. The stuff. The athleticism. To me, I watch it. and I'm like, that's fucking impressive. You know. Yeah. When Brock Lesnar did a swan dive onto his neck, <laughs> when when Mick Foley jumped off of the top of a top of a cage on, onto it like a double stack table, yeah. that's fucking cool. Just like that, watching Jackass is cool. I love that your examples of them being athletic are Brock Lesnar failing and almost killing himself, and Mick Foley like uh, unarguably <laughs> the least athletic wrestler yeah. of all time. <laughs> that I dude, mean. that dude jumped off a two-story building onto fucking a whole bed full of thumbtacks. That yeah. dude, or barbed wire, or whatever. S- sack on that guy, like like a like sack, a hefty bag. The sack O or the sack? 
the, his sack is like a hefty bag. The guy's got balls. You're talking about his ball sack. But he's not like the most athletic dude no, in the world. No, 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 no. He's but just it's, kind of like an average. The, the point is you can't fake that. Yeah. That is know. that is cool. But And there's also like, you know, yeah, all exactly. the. Exactly. It's cool. Yeah. So if, if I were going to watch wrestling. You're that, arguing for wrestling. Like. <laughs> well, if I'm watching it, that's what I'm enjoying about it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. What I don't enjoy about it is all the bullshit. All the soap opera bullshit. Yeah, I guess you just don't get it, man. I guess I just I'm, I don't get it. Yeah, it's not supposed to be. So for like little kids, it's supposed to be like, oh, this is real. Like, you know, this is. Otherwise, it's just it's just funny. You know, it's just like a lot of times it's people. I mean, sometimes they do try to sell drama, but yeah. sometimes there is legitimate drama. So, like, remember what happened with Edge and uh, Lita and Matt Hardy? Yeah, when you that bring was it up. real drama. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But it, but it was way more compelling, wasn't it? When it's yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, and, and everything that happened with CM Punk. Although yeah. I can't fucking stand CM Punk. I think that dude's a prick. Even the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart stuff was real. You know. Yeah. The bad blood between those two guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Matthew. I hope Matt's listening and <laughs> hears me defending wrestling. Because <laughs> uh, I do love wrestling. I don't watch it really anymore, but um, I should. You're like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's just, a, you know, like, I don't know. If I, if I sat down and I watched it with people who enjoyed it, and I did it long enough to kind of, like, get into it, I'm sure, just like anything else, I, I could learn to learn to get it's into funny, it. It's funny, man. A lot of the, the non-wrestling stuff, it's, like I said, it's supposed to be funny. You remember Billy Gunn? Yeah. Badass Billy Gunn. Yeah. He's in this new thing called AEW, and he's with this tag team, and they have this thing where they like instead of bumping fists, do this. They, they do this. They do this. Oh, that's they weird. Scissor me, and they do that. <laughs> uh, and he's a part of that. And I think they probably. I don't know if they can't call him Billy Gunn because um, the WWE like trademarks people's names, yeah. and you yeah. can't use them. So I don't know, but they, I think they call him Daddy Ass. Which is pretty funny. So they say, "Scissor me, daddy ass." Oh god, which is just fucking funny. It's like, man. That's like that's like old school WWF shit. You remember when yeah, WWF dude. was risque? AEW, from what I understand, is pretty good. I yeah. uh, there's some wrestling. There's some updates in the wrestling world that even you might be interested in, mm. but uh, I don't well, want to give them away because we might have to talk about them later. Oh. Well, let me let me tell you a story that popped in my head while you were talking about the difference between a kid watching wrestling and an adult watching wrestling. When I was a little kid, I used to play with GI Joes, and I loved it uh, because I was big into like karate and ninja fighting, and I just and they were so poseable. And I'm talking about the little GI Joes from the '90s, '80s, and '90s, not the big '70s GI Joes. And you just there was a way of holding the GI Joes. I wish I could I wish I could get them where you can you can use your fingers. To launch the kicks and the punches, yeah. and it was so much fun to do the do those little battles with them. But I remember when I was really young, you know, like five six years old, um, like Christmas would roll around and you'd get a new one, and immediately it's the new shiny one that you didn't have before. Immediately he becomes the champion. You're like, this is the this is the Christ Redeemer figure. This GI Joe is going to kick all of the GI Joe's asses. This is my chosen champion. And you anoint him and then you release him into the into the group and he kicks everybody's ass and you make him the champion. He's the new champion. So every time I would get a new GI Joe he would struggle through be climbing the ladder in these duels, the imaginary duels, until he became the champion. 
It's like a Mortal Kombat situation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But that's how I that's how I see professional wrestling too. It's like they always they are always introducing new talent to so they can change up the storyline and they got new guys coming in and old guys leaving and all that. And so that's how it always played out to me. I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, Roman Reigns. He's the new. He's he's the Roman new GI Joe. Roman Reigns is the new GI Joe. He's and there's the, always a new one. Yep, that's true. Uh, you're talking about WWE though. I yeah, mean, I, I just did. Yeah, and. They, the writing in that it's like stale. It's garbage. WWE is not good. Is it? Is it going to have a renaissance again? Do you think, or is it? Is it going down? Well, I think that things like this company AEW are good for WWE because it makes you have to do something, be exciting, uh, get people competition. To watch, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so in the long run, I think that it's probably good. Uh, you know, did you hear about what happened with, with uh, Vince McMahon? No, what happened? He had to pay. Well, so what happened is that people found out that he paid a bunch of hush money to some lady because he, like, you know, like slapped her in the face with his penis or something oh, like that. Okay. Uh, probably not that dramatic, <laughs> but, like, he did some, some inappropriate yep. stuff. Vince did, huh? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and, pay, and paid her out yep. and then continued being the, the boss for, you know, I think a while. Was she an employee? I don't know. Okay, um, okay. But, yeah, I don't know who she was, but... Uh, so he could just, you know, life went on as, as usual after that. But mm-hmm. then it came out that he paid that money so that, that he got found out. So he stepped down. I, th- he, I don't think he's running the WWE anymore. He stepped down for, which because I of, think is probably good. He stepped down for because of a sexual scandal? Because, yeah, because uh, it... Because it came out that he paid this this if, money out. If she was an employee or if she was underage or something, I would understand. Otherwise, the man, the, a rich man who's jacked up on testosterone, cheated on his wife. Big, big fucking whoop. Know, why would he? Why would he step down he for that? I don't understand that at all, man. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still like obviously got financial interests in the company, but who's the who's the face running it now? I don't publicly. Know. Is it I don't know, man. Triple I H or something? Who is it? I don't, I, I don't know. Don't watch it at all. Matt, who is it? Who is it? Tell, call in. Oh, we're not live. Oh, are we, we going to go we, live? No, we're not live. Uh, well, we, we... We're live on the the this app, but it, we're not live where anybody's going to be watching it. No, but we could eat, but we could do this exact same scenario live. It, it, it basically would be... I mean, it was unedited, so it would be identical yeah, to this. So we could. Yeah, it would be exact same. Yeah, yeah. It's just another thing to do, though. Just another thing to do. Yeah. I haven't yeah. checked YouTube. How are we doing? Getting a little traction, you know. Yeah. Not much, a little bit, you know, whatever. Whatever. All right. I'll do what I want. Yeah. Uh, so I want to tell you about this book, also this book I'm reading. Uh, I'm not reading it. I'm listening to it. You know how people say they're reading books, but no one reads You're books anymore. To just books. listening to it. So I'm listening to a uh, Stephen King book because I never read one before. And Stephen King is like a legendary author. You know, everyone has... Everyone has favorite Stephen King books, and, you know, he's this huge deal. Why have I never read a Stephen King book? And I, I even listened to some Dean Koontz back in the day, and I liked it. So why not Stephen King? It's a hop, skip, and a jump away. Koontz. Koontz. It's just a funny last name, man. My, uh, Sorry. My, my wife was on an all-girls softball team one time, and their team name was the... The Koontz? Magnificoontz. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sounds like... Uh... Like a like a British person calling somebody a bunch of coons. Yeah, know? exactly. What was I just saying? I was telling you about Stephen King. Stephen King. So uh, anyway, um, I had a couple Audible credits, 
and they advertise got six of those motherfuckers. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hey, choose carefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choose carefully. What did you get? What was the, it's called, the Stephen King title? It's called Fairy Tale. Oh, I think it's. Why would you pick that one? Well, they advertised it for me. I was just like, okay. You're you come on. But man. Uh, there's more reasons than that. I think it, I think it's maybe like his new one or something. But also because I've been reading fairy tales. You know, I've been reading all that oh, okay. all that stuff. Fair enough. And here's what's interesting. Other cuz I was thinking that was a real gay choice to be honest. <laughs> fairy tales. Yeah. I mean, The Stand, you should go with The Stand. Yeah. It's a long ass this, book. This this book is it's not the most original so far and it, it, some of that's on purpose. He's a fucking turd, man. <laughs> Do you remember that show it was a show they did where it was like um, it was like half t- half takes place in the modern day and half takes place in like um, medieval fairyland and they're and they're telling the story uh, fairy tale stories. A kid in King Arthur's court. No, it's a show. Oh, it's a show. It, whatever. Of the Hidden Temple. No. no. Uh, anyway, let me tell you about this book. <coughs> so I was reading I was reading the fairy fairy tales and that's probably why I was attracted to the book. Started listening to it, kind of kind of got into it. Uh, the, the, just to, without spoiling anything, the premise is um, uh, 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 like a teenage teenage boy uh, meets this old man, has this uh, auspicious um, connection with this old, weird, weird old hermit man. Uh, he ends up leaving all his house and small fortune to this boy, so this like eighteen year old kid, and he finds out that the shed in the yard contains a portal to another world, and that's like this fairy tale world. That's why they call they call the story fairy fairy tale. And he finds out as he goes along that everybody he meets is playing a role in a f- familiar fairy tale story. It's like he would you would he recognized. Oh, I think he's I'm the fox. He, well, he in this case he's uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. He's he's he finds out that he's playing the role of Jack. No shit. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting. Doesn't it doesn't sound that good. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm uh, about halfway through the book right now, so I'll let you know. Um, it's kind of cheesy and kind of predictable in certain ways, but it's it's been keeping my attention. But there's also several been several references to the Neverending Story, really, in the book. And I've been reading. Remember how I showed you that I bought yeah. that Neverending Story with the Orin on it? I started reading it to my to my oldest daughter, and she's eating it up. Oh shit! Really? I was really really happy about it. Yeah. Remember how we were talking about... Well, not only was I happy about it because I loved that movie, and when I was about her age is when I got introduced to it and blew, blew my mind and, and made a big impression on me. So I kind of want, want it to make a big impression on her too. But <coughs> but we, we're reading the book. And uh, I watched the movie when I was a kid. So we're, we're going to watch the movie, but we're going to watch it after we've read the book. And it took her a little bit. I told her she needs to like close her eyes and listen to me tell the story and try to imagine it. And then that way she would like learn how to, how to get into a story. And that goes back to what I was saying before about storytelling being a dying thing and people needing to resurrect it. Yeah. Um, she also is learning how to read, and she's really good at it, man. And she nice. wants she wants to read a little bit, and there's lots of new words in there for her. And I, you know, the ones she can't read, I'll tell her. It's just it's. But the point is, her focus is on it. She's clearly enjoying it. She's not like losing interest and in, in zoning awesome. out. Yeah, man. So I've been reading to her, and she like she'll ask me at the end of the day. She's like, "Daddy, will you read me more of that story?" So awesome. That is awesome. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I'm reading that to her. I start listening to this audio audio book, and there's all these references to the never-ending story. And it's one of those weird coincidences, you know? Like, what what are the chances that I would have bought that uh, never-ending story book? Um, I saw it on Amazon. They recommended it for me. I bought it. I start reading it to my daughter. I only bought that book, uh, Fairy Tale, because I was reading Fairy Tales. And 
and the references to the never ending story, which I just bought and started reading to my daughter, and they're all popping up. You know what I mean? It's just weird. I don't know if it's weird or not. Maybe it's just an ordinary coincidence, but it seems seems weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just you talking about the the stories, you know? Yeah. Uh, with the six Audible credits that I have, I do want to get like at least a few fiction titles. I, I don't. Have you done Wheel of Time? I don't know. I have no idea what that is. Wheel of Time is a, a Robert Jordan uh, series, um, famous sci-fi. Jordan. Robert Jordan. You might try that. There's a Stephen King one called called um, The Dark Towers or something. I've it's heard like, of that. like it's like a big long series. Yeah, I've heard of that. So if you're looking for something like that, nah. No. Nah. What are you looking for? Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to figure it out. Fiction though, right? Fiction. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, one one of the things uh, maybe I bought actually, um, I wanted to read um, Ayn Rand's philosophy because I n- never have. Mm-hmm. You know her objectivism or her. Um, she has a book called um, something. Philosophy. Virtue of selfishness. That's the one. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's the one. I think I I think I got that one on Audible. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that was what I used my other credit on. You listen to it? Or no, not yet. But I'm going to. Yeah. I want to. I want to. I want to hear what she has to say about it because Ayn Rand is one of those people who. You know, did you see that Graham Hancock was on Rogan? I haven't listened to it yet, but yes, he was on there, and I'm so excited about it. He's got a TV show, a Netflix. Series I started watching out. it yesterday. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I I don't I don't know how that completely flew under the radar until it was out already yeah. before I heard about it. Yep. Um, but who were we just talking about before I started talking about Graham Hancock? Oh shit, man! You caught me. You caught me off guard. Uh. Because <laughs> the reason I was gonna, uh, the reason I brought Graham Hancock up, oh, Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I brought Graham Hancock up is because Ayn Rand is m- more like this than Graham Hancock is. Ayn Rand is like more like this than maybe anybody in the fucking world. Is that she is convinced that she is right about everything? Yeah, yeah. Y- you cannot argue with Ayn Rand, and if you do, she thinks you're an idiot. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time you are an idiot because she was a genius. Yeah. I'll give her that. Yeah. Uh, that being said, she didn't have everything figured out. And uh, Graham Hancock just strikes me like that a little bit when he's talking about all these things. And I think that Graham Hancock is a genius too. I think that I'm on team Graham Hancock yeah, for when sure. it comes to like being open about the possibilities of history. Um, that being said, I am nowhere near as convinced about so many details as Bram, Graham Hancock is. He's like, yes, they definitely did psychedelics. They did, you know. He's like, he knows so much about. Yeah. It's just really funny to me. So I think I love Graham Hancock. Me too. Um, I me think too. I think he's pretty um, intellectually honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think he um, like he's okay speculating. He has no problem speculating, which is what people have. Scientists, real scientists, have trouble with him because he's. Okay, speculating based on what they would consider insufficient evidence, but it's not no evidence. Yeah. And the thing about Ayn Rand is that uh, she, you, you, you frame it like she's certain that she's right. And I see it as she's convinced herself. Like, I don't think Ayn Rand is, uh, was incapable of changing her mind. I just think there was no arguments that could possibly that were made to her, uh, or in her mind that could have been made to her that would have persuaded her otherwise. She was so convinced already. That seems like bullshit to me. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I don't think that you can hang. 
if you're an intelligent person like Ayn Rand and you're surrounding yourself with other intellectual people, there's no way that somebody's not going to chip away at something that you think eventually. And she, from what I understand, was like a brick wall. You know, like, yeah. like she literally, and like you, I think you said that it's not necessarily that she thought that she was right about everything, just that she'd convinced herself. Yeah. From everything I know about Ayn Rand, that is not true. She yeah. thought that she was right and that you were wrong and that, that that's all there was to yeah. it. See, I don't, I, maybe there's not a difference between that and, and having convinced yourself. It's like, I, because I, I feel that way about myself. Like there are certain things that I talk about like um, authoritatively, excuse me. That's the word. Yeah. Um, but it's only, it's not because I know that I'm certain. It's because I've been unable to rock that ship and nobody else has done it. And so until they do, I'm as certain as I'm going to be. That makes me confident. And anybody who brings an argument against it um, that doesn't sufficiently undermine it, I will write off, you know? Um, so that, you know, that could be what's going on. I don't know. I know she was a kind of a grading personality and, and because she had such a high IQ and all that um, I, if you're convinced and you have an IQ of 180 or whatever the heck she had and you're convinced nothing you've been able to think can chip away at, at your theory enough to undermine it confidence is pretty much certainty you know at least in her mind you know yeah I've heard people say that people with really high IQs are actually surprisingly easy to influence really mm -hmm. that's interesting I forget where I heard that, but I, I know that I heard someone say that. It could be complete bullshit. But. It, it goes back to that MMA analogy we were making. How you can have somebody who's like, and, the, and to, to use your analogy, you'd have somebody who's got the highest IQ in the world, and they could outsmart anybody. Then you got another person with a different kind of superpower. He's the wrestler who comes in to defeat the striker. And he comes in and he he's, doesn't have the IQ you have, but he, but he can talk circles around you. Or he, <laughs> you know, or he... Uh, you know, whatever. He's got the secret web. He's got the kryptonite, you know? That's interesting. It's interesting. Because there's always gives and takes, you know? Gives and takes. Gives and takes, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that translates to fighting, like if you could be, if you could be not the strongest fighter and not the most technical fighter, but the smartest fighter and win, you know? Isn't being the most technical fighter being the smartest fighter? Maybe. But what if you're just not physically capable of being as technical as somebody who's physically superior to you? Isn't technicality not about physicality, though? Isn't technicality about... Like, technicality is about physicality in the sense that you have to have, like, an operable body. You yeah, can't yeah, be, yeah, like, a... Yeah. You know, a, yeah. I was going to say cripple. I don't know oh, if that's, that's polite, but... Um, so, yeah, like... But otherwise, like, that's, a, that's why jujitsu is so, like... Um, yeah. held up because I mean obviously to a certain point size is going to matter like a very small person with great technique yeah if you're too much smaller than a person you're just going to get ragged off right yeah um, but that being said there is some level to which technique neutralizes that size advantage yeah. that like physical dimension you, you think about somebody like Muhammad Ali who yeah. had who had all of that where when he got older to the point where he wasn't able to do what he used to do physically, he still was smart enough to, to rope a dope and tire you out. And, you know, like he figured out a way to be a champion even when he lost that spark that he once had. That's brilliant, man. Yeah. Brilliant. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I don't know. Um, 
I can't believe you don't know who Andrew Tate is. That's still like kind of surprising. It just doesn't mean nothing. Nothing like no no picture comes to mind. No memory comes to mind when I hear that name. A lot of people say this is some hot tea oh. coming at you. Um, that Michaela Peterson, yeah, her child, yeah. People say that that's Andrew Tate's kid. Oh shit! I did never heard that. No, I never heard that. Yeah, uh, she's married and everything, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. Um, but Andrew Tate is just this guy. He's like banned off of YouTube and shit now. Uh, but he's just this guy who says like, basically, he says a lot of things that are like good, you know. But then he says things like, um, I don't, I don't know. He says some crazy shit. I can't even really think of anything off the top of my head. Is he a fighter? He used to be a oh, fighter. Okay. He used to be a kickboxer. Okay. Uh, but he's not like old, you know. He's like middle aged, you know. He's not like an old, old man or anything. How does he size up to the Paul guy? I mean, he looks like he's... I don't know how tall he is compared to uh, Jake Paul, but he looks like he's um, a decent-sized guy. He looks yeah. like he's in good shape. Okay. Those Paul, those Paul brothers are... Impressive. They're, they're monsters, man. Yeah. They're monsters. Good for them. Fucking A, man. <laughs> good for them. Tons of money. I, th- I do think it's interesting how... Were all these fights that are happening, and I think maybe it was COVID that kind of caused the wrench in the gears that allowed this to happen. But all these prize fights that are happening, that uh, are you know MMA fighters or fighting boxers, and you know all this stuff's happening, um, and it's happening outside of the sanctioned leagues. It's happening on the side, you know these promotions that they're doing on their own, and they're making lots and lots of money because they're setting up these fights that people actually want to see. You know, yeah. And I wonder if that if that will be the death nail in, like, the UFC, in, like, organized... Um, I mean, maybe you still need, like, a like a farm system to bring fighters to, to your attention. I guess you probably do, right? You can't get rid of the UFC entirely. But, you know, it's like, are you, are you more excited when uh, Jake Paul fights Anderson Silva in a non-UFC fight? Or are you more excited when, uh, you know, like, like last no, night? No, I'm not. No? I, I mean, I can tell you from my—I don't wa- really watch UFC anymore, but back when I used to be a big fan of it, um, I would not have been as excited to watch. I mean, I'm not—I'm not one of these guys who's like, "Oh, Jake Paul is a fucking bum." He's, you know, all these people are retired. I think it's impressive. Um, yeah. That being said, I think if you put him in the UFC or in a boxing match with like a top person in his weight class he's probably going to get fucked up yeah um yep so no i I would be much more excited for the professional it's like do you get excited for a little league football game as you do the super bowl yeah well i i i said that wrong when i said you would be excited what i mean is more people are buying pay-per-views to see that that's all i mean i got you so if 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 that becomes more successful in terms of pay-per-view sales then um a main card championship fight in the UFC. What does that mean? That's weird. You know? It's weird. We just want to watch a bunch of fucking YouTubers punch each other. I think we should fight, too. <laughs> I think we should have, like, a uh, celebrity boxing yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two tongues. You down? Yeah, sure. All right. We have to have uh, boxing gloves. Probably probably not headgear, but mouthpieces, boxing gloves. You don't think we should have headgear? If we do, I'm afraid we'll hit harder. Oh. You know? I'm coming for you, dude. Okay, well then headgear it is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> headgear it is. Uh, well, I, we did some of that. We did some boxing uh, when we were younger. Yeah, man. I did it with uh, I, I boxed Brian Brian a few times and uh, Brandon. Remember Brandon? Um, 
you and me, throw on uh, some my brother, throw on some some leather around. Yeah, it was fun. Like, uh, who's the president? Joe Biden. No, not he is the president. <laughs> who's the president that was into like boxing and shit? Oh, Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt's an interesting character. He is a man. really interesting guy. Not necessarily a great person, but no, but yeah. an interesting person. Very interesting. That guy had a complex. He had an inferiority complex because he was sick, sick when he was a kid, you know. And he, his dad was a great man and, and rich man and all that. And he wanted to like measure up to his dad, but he had, but he was a frail guy. He had he had asthma and he wasn't able to be like a tough guy. So he like when he grew up and grew out of it, he like. It's like I'm gonna kill every yeah, lion yeah. in the world. He's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to war. I'm gonna go to I'm war get, with I'm a group of my of friends. Them. I'm gonna kill a bear. I'm gonna go live in the wild west. You know, and he did all that shit and learned to box and build a fleet and sail it around the world. Yeah, dude's crazy. And I'm pretty sure this is a true story. Um, he was he plays a role in the history of jujitsu because he brought a master uh, jujitsu or maybe it was it was a judo person. I can't remember. I think it was jujitsu. A master from Japan that he brought over. To train him at the White House. Oh. So Teddy fucking Roosevelt used to do jujitsu with the Japanese master in the White House. How cool is that? That's way cooler than Obama. That is. W- Everyone seems to think Obama's the coolest president. Teddy Roosevelt might have been the coolest president, man. You know, this just popped into my head. Yep. And there's an Israeli martial art called Krav Maga mm-hmm. that definitely should have been called jujitsu. Krav Maga. Yeah, jujitsu. Oh, jujitsu. They definitely should rename that. Oh boy, they, they missed an opportunity. That's they really a, did a marketing That's opportunity. Good, dude. Yeah, if, if it, you had another zinger earlier, with another marketing genius. I can't remember it, but it's, it's, we have it on recording, yeah, so yeah, we can true. go back and listen to the tape. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was on the podcast or before. But oh, it's on the podcast. Good. Immortalized. Good. We've, we've forgotten it, but it, it was good, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. Oh, on. it was uh, the heart of the brawl for Ohio. <laughs> That's right. That's that right. Was, yeah. That was what it was. Yeah. Good man. Um, yeah. So, what else is going on, man? Um, what I have been reading... Alfred North Whitehead, and uh, I had to publish. Uh, A and W. Yep. A and W, like the root beer. Yeah, A and W. Alfred, Alfred North Whitehead. Uh, so I have my part two of that, uh, or maybe it's part three. I'm gonna probably have this week coming out. But this past, but this past Wednesday, I got busy and I couldn't. I didn't get far enough into it. It's really hard. It's really complicated, man. I've been having to reread shit over and over and over again to make sense of it. Um, but it's been kind of fun in that way because it's a challenge. It's kind of a puzzle, actually. Um, trying to weed through the language and figure out what he means and then like make sense of it to myself. But I wasn't ready for Wednesday. So I, I published an episode I did on uh, Onion Unlimited with Daniel. Um, Daniel, I think he's in Australia now. With Nice. Uh, yeah. By the way, I... Down I, under. I, yeah, down under. So she came... Um, um, so I'll tell that story. For those people who don't know, our buddy on the uh, that comes on the podcast from time to time, Daniel of the Onion Unlimited podcast, uh, he was uh, he had a, a relationship. You might call it a correspondence relationship with a lady in uh, Australia. They're pen pals. Yeah, basically. And uh, you know he's in the UK and she's in Australia, so they live very far away. But they really got to like each other, and uh, you know. Um, kind of developed a relationship started talking on the phone talking over you know over the over the internet and um that lasted for like a year and they got to know each other and they really wanted to meet each other and uh, finally made that happen and um i didn't have a chance to talk to him like in detail about it because i don't want to interrupt him i don't want to like be that be that guy yeah you know he's having the adventure of his life right now uh you know yeah he really is i mean he's a he's a you know he's a he's uh, you know it's on the other side of the world he's on the other side of the world meeting some lady that he you know, 
has has these uh these inclinations towards and they have a lot in common they're both yeah, they're both former beautiful. former Jehovah witnesses that you know f- fell out of that and oh uh, no shit yeah, really yeah, I yeah. Didn't know that. oh yeah that's how that's how they first you know got Ooh. got talking i thought i thought it was just like uh you know the spiritual community yeah and that too um, and that too so they had all that in common yeah i didn't and, realize that she was a former for, yep. a former witness yep she has witnessed so she came to london to see him she had witnessed he showed her around she's no longer witnessing no neither is neither is torrid neither is torrid um and so anyway a week in london and then they're going to spend a month in uh, australia together which is cool so anyway he sent me a message just telling me and i can't remember exactly what it, what it was but he told me that um the gist of it was uh that it was magical that that they you know that they met in person and then everything just went swimmingly you know and that's so reassuring man because i imagine the anxiety leading up to that after having this relationship for a year and then finally coming to see each other and all the pressure and especially with daniel having you know been excommunicated from the church getting getting divorced all that shit happened to him so this is really like a whole new chapter for him and it's an adventure and it is for the both of them it sounds like and it's like something that happens in the movies. That doesn't really happen. People don't go, you know, to the other side of the world to, to have a relationship. So it's cool. Hell yeah. Um, I was it's a tell- beautiful story. Why was I telling you that? Uh, you were talking oh, about... Oh, because I, yeah. pub- so I had to publish an episode last week. It was one Daniel and I did on his podcast. But he's um, kind enough to send me the audio so that I can republish on this one. So if anybody likes those Daniel Torden podcasts that we do together, those crossover episodes, you can check them out on Onion Unlimited. Um, he's got lots of interesting stuff on there, including a conversation. He had uh, like two conversations, I think, with his buddy uh, Matthew, who he calls Math because he's English. It's like M-A-F with an F, Math. Um, and so it's his buddy that he's known since he was in kindergarten. So it's like you and I talking, but it's Daniel and Math. And I really ate that shit up. Yeah, I listened to both of those episodes, and they were talking about uh, just stories growing up together and shit they, shenanigans they got into. And, and uh, anyway. anyway, so if you're like that, check them out on, nice. uh, on Onion Unlimited. Um, so I published that one, um, and then uh, I think I'll be ready to publish this Alfred North Whitehead one on Wednesday this week. Um, it's been really tough though, Cranking but, re- them out, but really interesting. I find like I find myself disagreeing with some of these people that I'm reading, mm-hmm. and some some of it I don't like. I don't want to to disagree with Alfred North Whitehead because I like his ideas so much. But I find myself with problems with it, you know. I find myself seeing it differently than other people see it. And uh, I don't know if that means I don't understand it right or if it means I just have my own uh, my own perspective and it's valuable. So that's what I'm struggling with right now is my – like I don't want to read what other people think about Alfred North Whitehead. I want to read it and figure out what I think of Alfred North Whitehead. And at least, at least what I think of it is a unique contribution. So that's how I'm – Thinking about it. Do you ever wonder, you know how you said you have to read it over and, you know, like make sense of it? Yeah. Do you ever wonder if you are not interpreting it in the way that he intended? Every day. Yeah. (laughs) Every day. But, you know, I also think that there's a possibility that Alfred North Whitehead didn't understand his own ideas right and that I do. Isn't that isn't that fucking isn't that arrogant? You're like Donald Trump, dude. You're like, (laughs) wrong, wrong, wrong. No, but it's like, um, I'll give, I, I don't know, like, and also, if you want to double the arrogance up a little bit, I'm not even done with the book, yeah, right? You're I'm, like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking issue. I'm like a third of the way through it. I'm like taking issue with key things. But here's the thing, man. 
he says that there he proposes he, this is what he basically says he says i'm going to tell you what i th- how i think the reality works based on the evidence of our experience what our experience is like and so he comes up with this very complicated system and he has all these words for these things that he's made up and it so it's like kind of scientology in that way uh you know the made up words you have to look them up to understand what he means and nothing's very clear but basically just to simplify it he says that there are these things called eternal objects which i take to mean eternal objects of experience these are things that can be experienced he calls them eternal objects then there's these things called actual entities and they are an experience that's being had as far as i can tell and by that he means reality like reality is experience is an experience that we're having um, so that there are these actual entities which are experiences that are being had and there's eternal objects which are these these heavenly ethereal things that exist in some other yeah. realm hard to describe it's like they're like plato's forms you know got it and it's not clear at all what any of that means it's very 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 fucking weird but what kept catching my attention was he said eternal objects um they ingress is the word he uses eternal objects attach themselves to actual entities and that's what makes an experience a particular experience so it makes it even weirder. So actual entities are experience, but it's like they don't have any form or substance to them. They have to attach themselves to an eternal object to become a particular experience. Otherwise, it's not an experience of Kyle or an experience of the sun or an experience of a flavor. Otherwise, it's just a empty experience, okay? And so this is the kind of thing I'm supposed to imagine exists. Empty experience and some sort of divine um forms that come together to make the experiences that we have this is very strange but this is the weird thing he says that there are there are a multiplicity of forms everything's different you're not like me i'm not like this table everything's different so there's eternal objects with an s eternal objects meaning that there are different types of possible forms that an experience can attach to maybe an infinite number of forms and I, think, I thought to myself, why would he presume that eternal objects are multiple things? Why can't it just be one thing that's like a stem cell? It could become anything. That's, wh- that's where you get multiple forms from. Why does the thing have to be many? It doesn't make any sense. It's like on the most basic level, you're going to propose these fundamental building blocks of experience. Why do you suppose eternal objects are more than one thing? Like, you haven't explained to me even what an an eternal object is well enough for me to go with you entirely. And I still have no idea why you would, why you would presume that there are many. And, and how do you get there? And how many is many? Is it infinite or is it a certain number? Is it a fixed number? And how do you explain that? So is all, I have all these questions about it. And to my mind, I think if I go with Alfred North Whitehead, eternal objects are one thing. They're not, they're not more than one thing. And going back to like my understanding of the kind of mystical experience and the shit that I talk about, what he calls eternal objects is just God. It's just consciousness. It's just something like that. Going back to my lingo, um, it's not, you wouldn't call God more than one thing. And Alfred North Whitehead tries to do that. In his philosophy, he talks about something called the creative advance, which is above God in a manner of speaking. And then God is an actual entity, just like you and I are actual entities. It's like it becomes very convoluted very quickly. And I just feel like 
he's he's overcomplicating it. He's missing something. It's like when you like I've, I've said this before, but if you um, if you can't explain something simply, you don't know it well, right? If somebody tells you, if somebody asks you, how does a combustion motor work, a combustion engine work, and you don't know, you're like, you're gonna, you know. I got a thousand words for you, and it's not going to come anywhere close to the real thing. But somebody who's an expert will give you four sentences that tell you that concisely tell you how a, how a, a combustion engine works because they fucking know it. Reading Alfred North Whitehead is like reading somebody who doesn't know it. It's like reading somebody who's. I'm being overly critical. You can't, I was going to say you can't blame the guy for not knowing because this stuff is like nobody knows. Yes. So I, I don't know, man. I think it's because he tries. He's a mathematician. So he tries to explain everything like everything logically follows from from what he said before, and I just don't think at least at this point I don't I don't agree with you, man. Like I I, I don't agree with you. You're gonna talk with certainty like it's like this is a mathematically precise description, and it doesn't seem that way to me. It seems like it's full of presumptions. I don't I don't understand why it's any less likely that there are eternal objects more than one object. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe an eternal amount of eternal objects. Yep. Um, I don't understand why that is any less likely than it being that the eternal objects can just be anything. Well, be- I mean, I'm not saying that it's more likely yeah. or like you know. I just don't. I don't know what to base it on to say that either one is more likely than the other. I can tell you what I what I base it on: Occam's razor. Yeah. The the most likely solution is the simplest and one is simpler than many does that seem true in like the the field that we're talking about because it doesn't seem that simple i think it's true in nature and what we're talking about is nature as far as i'm concerned um yeah so i I don't know i i think it's i think and what i'm working towards right now is that eternal objects and actual entities aren't different things they don't ingress into each other. They aren't different things. Um, what what Alfred North Whitehead is trying to describe is one thing that I would call God, and he's making overly complicated. Um, but I I but I could be wrong. I'm very very open to the idea that I am wrong. I'm not like I'm telling you. I'm not even all the way done with the book. I I probably uh, I'm talking out of my ass to some degree. But th- I'm really trying to understand it. And these are genuinely my feelings. Like I'm telling you, I'm doing my best to understand what this guy is saying, and I think that he's, I think that he's wrong. He at least he hasn't made it clear to me what he means, man. He keeps he keeps saying things like, oh, I'd have to pull out quotes to show you. I wonder how many people who listen to this podcast are like, this is like the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> you talk about like the most confusing. You know, like, I mean, I'm interested in that stuff, too, but it's not easy to follow. No. You, know? uh-uh. um, you have to, like, really make it like you reading the guy's work. Yeah. You have to, like, really listen and really put effort into. Yeah. You, it's not like, you know, I can put on a podcast while I'm at work, like a, a comedy podcast and just like halfway listen to it. And it's entertaining and it's all I need it to be. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You're not going to retain anything from like. Yeah. You know, like one of your solo episodes, you need you're gonna have to like listen to that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a driving podcast. Yeah, for know? sure, for sure. Yeah, I would agree. So, uh, 
So you, listen, you I, and Mister Mister North Whitehead, <laughs> you and A and W, yeah, you have more in common than uh, I think so. Yeah, you guys I think got, so. You guys are like on the same boat. Yeah, I think so, one hundred percent. Maybe that's why I'm. Maybe that's why I'm more critical. I think it's important for me to be honest about my impressions and about my um, like. I think it's important for me to say that I could be misunderstanding. Uh, this entirely it could be it could easily be the fact that this guy's way smarter than me because he is and I'm failing to grasp it 100% I just feel like like we talked about earlier there's certain things that I am pretty convinced of you know Mm -hmm. and uh, when something that he says conflicts with something that I'm convinced of that's where I start to that's where I start to like push back and that's what I'm doing you know and I've done that with some people more than others um and it may be that it may be that the similarities that we share are why I'm being more critical of it yeah I'm honestly just I'm honestly trying to figure this out I don't know if you're noticing this uh but I have been noticing it the last few minutes so I just wanted to point it out I don't I'm not hearing a ton in my headphones oh no so I mean, I'm not, I'm not, it's enough for me to get through, but I just, you know, want to make sure that we're recording or it's being picked up or whatever. Mm, Definitely is over here. You can tell. Okay. Yeah, we're good. I'm sure we're good. And let's see over here. Yep. Looks like it is. Everything looks like it's recording. All right. Some bitch. Sorry though. And that just happened like, um, yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm just noticing it or what, but it's, um, I don't have a ton of volume in my headphones. Do you think maybe the hoodie you have on over your ears is causing that? No. (laughs) All right. Couldn't be. No, I don't think so. Couldn't be, man. So Alfred North Whitehead. So, um, I think what I'll do is, uh, continue to talk about it. Like if I change my mind about it at some point, I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll let you know and let everyone know if I was wrong. You know, I think that's important, but, uh, but for now, I'm, I'm taking some issue with the model. It's all about, like, you know how I, like, write on those post-its and I make little pictures? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that Jordan Peterson gets shit for from these lefties that hate him, is that he has all these crude diagrams in his Maps of Meaning book. He writes down images that will help him to understand the relationships of things he's fooling around with, you know, ideas he's fooling around with. And I do that same thing. Um, I have a really hard time doing it with Alfred North Whitehead. Yeah. I have a really hard time doing it. Like, I... I don't know. I have a, uh, I have one. Here it is. Here it is. This is the last one I did about Alfred North Whitehead. Take a look at that. What in the fuck? Here, I'll just up for the. Uh, for, no, no one's gonna be able to see this. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So I make little diagrams. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I don't know, man. Like I would like to. I would like to sit down with Alfred North Whitehead, who's long dead, and show him this and say, is this anything like what you meant, <laughs> you know, and see what he says. He's probably like, what in the same shit is this, Chris? Um, I don't know. But I'm starting to think that uh, Alfred North Whitehead is an idealist. Um, and I, I learned about him from uh, Dr. Shirsted Hughes, who's, an, who's a panpsychist. And I like both ideas, and they're very closely related. But uh, it seems to me like Alfred North Whitehead believes that... Um, that everything exists in what he calls the primordial nature of God, which he said now. I didn't know what that meant exactly, but he said now that that means the mind of God. It seems to me like he thinks reality are ideas that exist in the mind of God and that get experienced by whatever it is God is, 
that's why I, I, I would fall back to this idea of consciousness or, or whatever, just some sort of, as some, something fundamental. That all seems to make sense in with what I've read so far of Whitehead. But I don't think he's known as an idealist. I think he's more of a, I think he's more of a panpsychist, or at least that's the impression I got when I, because of who introduced him to me. Hmm. You know, he's like a, um, like one of the prime thinkers in that realm. It all, the differentiations between them are, it's like um, very fine distinctions sometimes. Yeah. It's about like um, weird esoteric shit, you it know? Is, it is. Um, but I mean, not saying that they're not different, but, you know. I really hate isms. Isms. I, I don't know why I think it's because I have to look every one of them up. And people say them like people understand them. You know, it's like when I first started... Um, Plagiarism? Yeah. <laughs> when I first started studying all this philosophy of mind stuff, and people would talk about physicalism and materialism and phenomenalism, and it's like, fuck, man, what, why all the isms? Especially when, like like we just talked about, panpsychism and idealism are like a, um, you know, a, a hair away from each other. And we have different isms, we have different names for them. And say, at what point is it is it frivolous that we're making these distinctions and giving them different names got all these isms yeah isming around it's like all the different all the different branches of Christianity yeah when do we when do we Knock stop handing off. out new names yeah. you know why don't you just you're all Christians shut it's, up yeah it's never it, it'll never stop people are always gonna fracture off and have disagreements yep. and you know that goes back to people wanting to be unique man you know you were talking about Christmas early earlier the Orthodox Church mm-hmm. celebrates Christmas in like January that's interesting. Like January seventh or something. Is there a, a reason, a particular reason? Was they that say a, that's when Christ was born? Oh, was it? It wasn't like a, like when the calendars changed. No, they say that's when Christ. That from what I understand, they say that's when Christ was born. So yeah. they, that's when they celebrate it. And there's something that I like about that, you know, because we, we we were talking about the commercialism of Christmas, and they're just like, mm, we're just not going to do it then. Yeah, we'll do it later. <laughs> we'll do it later. We'll we'll do it when the sales are on. Yeah. Um. Uh, so I, I did watch that uh, two, two or three episodes of that Graham Hancock show on Netflix. Yeah, I've got to check that out. It's called Ancient Apocalypse. You think they're they're naming it that in like trying to call to mind ancient aliens? Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but, well, that's what I thought. But this one focuses a lot on the flood, the flood ideas. Yeah. Um, you know how Graham will talk about the at the end of the, the last ice age, yeah, the sea levels and all that. So, there, but there's something he talks about. I think it's in the first episode, maybe the second episode. He talks about this place in Indonesia. Um, you probably heard Gunung Padang. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yeah. But there's also a, one, another one called uh, Non Non uh, Nadal. Uh, what is it called? Um, something Nadal. Rafael Nadal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's in Indonesia. It's it's uh, uh, cl- relatively close by. So he's talking about these, and he said that the one that you said, Unum Paneng, whatever Unang it is, Padang, Padang, Padang uh, that one, it's kind of it's kind of messy. It's like this giant hill, and all of the stones that are yeah. on the hill they're scattered, like scattered everywhere. About, yeah, yeah it's like scattered. oh yeah, oh yeah. Because it's the best word for it. They're very, they're scattered. They're scattered. They're everywhere. Uh, but, and these stones, are, the thing that's interesting about them is that apparently they grow um, this hexagonal shape naturally. So what, uh, there's a place in um, Ireland, I think, where yeah, the shore is that. like that. They're like, yeah, they're like hexagons. Just because of how it, how the stones fracture and it, and it makes these hexagon patterns or when the stone cools or something, whatever. It's a natural process. So you got a bunch of archaeologists that say, 
these stones form naturally like this, so there's no reason to believe human beings spread them all over this hill. This is how they form, right? But then there's a place called Nanmadal, which is on the other side of the island, and it uses the exact same stones stacked on top of each other like Lincoln logs. So some go horizontal and some go vertically stacked, or not not vertically and horizontally, but you know, in different in different directions stacked on top of each other. And they make big, giant retaining walls and fortifications and stuff. And it's crazy cool. And it yeah. looks like nothing you've ever seen before. Well, these are the same stones that are at the one I can't pronounce. Yep. And uh, they form vertically. But these are all stones that are horizontally laying on the ground. And some of them are still stacked on top of each other. It's not like they fell over. They were stacked on top of each other. So some archaeologists think that um, this isn't an archaeological site. It's just a mess of stones so, yeah. naturally occurring on this hill. And then what, what Graham uh, found out with this uh, research group that was doing ground-penetrating radar is that underneath this hill, covered in stones, are three subchambers, perfectly rectangular subchambers, and they're all connected to each other by passages. And nobody, nobody knew this existed until they did the ground-penetrating radar. Now you can no longer say that this site's natural because underneath the ground are clearly these man-made chambers. The ground, the, the earth doesn't build rooms. <laughs> no, it does not. So, so now they've reconstructed, <coughs> they've reconstructed um, what would have been a terraced, a, gi- a giant terraced hill. So it's, it's almost like a... Uh, like you said terrorist. <laughs> it's almost like a man-made um, pyramid, like they do you know, in different, different parts of the world. But it's way older than any of the other sites. They thought, I think they said that human beings got to that point uh, at some point historically, I don't remember, but not all that long ago. And these ruins predate that by thousands and thousands of years. Um, and it was so, so cool to see. And now you're like... What are in those chambers? Like, what if we dig down and we open them up and there's evidence of whoever these people, you know, were who lived here that, you know, the archaeologists continue to tell you never existed. That's such a cool mystery, man. And that's the kind of shit Graham Hancock talks about. And I can't get enough of it. It's great. He's Graham Graham Hancock is like one of the coolest dudes on the Internet. Um, I remember the first time I heard him on Rogan. I was thinking this while I listened to it. They talk about a lot of the same shit. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Um, but then they throw in, you know, the new developments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super cool, man. Randall Carlson was on with him, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> last night, we, we had a couple drinks. Uh, we, we As put, one does. We put on YouTube and we started putting on music videos. And that beca- and we, had a, we had two friends over, so it becomes a whole thing. The, the kids were still awake, so they want to w- listen to stuff they like. We all have slightly different tastes in music, so we all want to watch different things. At one point, we put on uh, Break Stuff by, by Limp Biscuit. Biscuit. And uh, hope you know I packed a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were, it was just interesting how many people had cameos in that video. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't even, oh yeah, that's right. I do remember that. There was, I didn't. I didn't remember that until I watched oh, the I didn't video. Yeah, so you just brought it yeah. up. But at, at one point, Eminem shows up. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of whole bunch of uh, people. The Biscuit is one of those bands that I liked when I was yeah. like fifteen. You yeah. know, I was like, they, I fucking liked Limp Biscuit <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah. I do not really dig Limp Biscuit no. that much anymore. Uh-huh. They didn't hold up. No. You know? They're, but they're, there are some bands from back then that did, man. Like Chevelle. I don't know if you ever They're still making music? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just mean that, like, 
I can even go back oh, and listen yeah, to I know that what old you mean. stuff. Whereas, like, yeah, we I, were, I'm not listening to Limp Bizkit. Yeah, true. We brought up there was two bands we brought up last night: Disturbed and uh, System of System of a Down. Disturbed is it holds up. No, I don't. It holds up, man. I don't like it that much. No, no. The System of a Down, though. I love System. Yeah, of a Down. yeah. Disturbed, not so much. <laughs> um, I it, that might just be I have. Um, well, no, I don't really dig the music that much. I think it's kind of goofy. But also, David Draymond, the lead singer, is just a big old Zionist, which oh yeah, not a fan. When they when they brought up Disturbed last night, immediately I thought of Stained. Yeah, and that was what they kept talking about Disturbed, and I was thinking Stained. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't really know. I, I mean, Stained was good. Don't get me wrong, Stained was fine. But it's just like Limp Bizkit. I'm not listening to Stained, man. I would listen to Stained before I listen to Limp Bizkit. Well, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For Limp Bizkit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stained yeah. is, but I, I mean, I basically feel the same way. I'm never listening to Stained. You know who I? So I have. Spotify, and I have a, <clears throat> you know, I've got my liked songs playlist, and I've got thousands of songs in there. Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of times I just put that on, and it put it on random and just let songs play. Um, so I get a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily want to listen to on a regular basis. It's a, it's a song that I like, so yeah. I liked it, but yep. I don't want to hear it all the yes. time. Uh, and you know who I'm increasingly finding out are people that uh, is a band that I don't, really want in my liked songs playlist who it's like pretty much every newfound glory song that ever comes on dude <laughs> i just skip it uh, like, no. so th- for me there's a lot of that stuff that's uh obviously <clears throat> nostalgia plays a big role yeah so like if you put on um nothing gold can stay at, at, that album is uh got some good songs on it but it was um recorded Poorly, uh, yeah. inexpensively. It's not a good sound. It's not something. If I heard today, I, I would probably uh, would would give a second Jeez. thought to. But I can l- listen to it and enjoy it because of the nostalgia. But there are certain albums, um, and uh, not without a fight comes to mind, and um, coming fight. home comes to mind. Um, oh man, coming home. I used to like that one a lot, but that's like the worst one. Nah, not in my opinion. I, I, I listen s- to that and I'm just like, no, dude. No, I, I love it. I'll eat it up even right now. Yeah. Yeah. And and Matt sent me a, a new a new song of theirs. They're coming out with an acoustic album, which revs my engine, man. <laughs> I dig that. I still love acoustic music. I still I still love it, man. I love acoustic music too, but you know, yeah. Come um, on, man, coming yeah, home. Nah, dude, it just doesn't do anything for me. <sighs> that album particularly, I remember when it came out. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like the you know, it's not just pop punk. They're like getting a little bit more to it. There's like kind of serious lyrics. Yeah. Although, I mean, Newfound Glory has, like, serious lyrics. They're not, like, you know, even the older stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, now that song Boulders came on, and I was like, no, dude, I don't don't care if I ever hear that song again. I I don't know what album is that on. Going Home. Coming Home? Or Coming Uh, Home. Going, Coming. Because there there was a couple of albums that they had not long ago um, that were pretty hit or miss for me. Which is which is not a pun I intended. It's, it's not a pun I intended. It's a good one, man. Uh, pretty pretty hit or miss. Um, one of them is the one. It's like a white cover, and it's got they've got this one song on it. It's like it's got this like fucking island feel. Like you got little maracas or something. Yeah, it's it's I no, it's I no idea. Oh uh, yeah, man. I could I could if I never heard it again, I'd be fine with it. I haven't listened to Newfound Glory. I mean, I haven't listened to a new album from them since 
that one that they did with um, where they did the other band, the superheroes of hardcore yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and that was a long time ago. Dude, listen, listen to "Not Without a Fight" and see if you if you no. like that. If you remember that one, "Not Without a Fight." Yeah. Oh, it was like yeah, it was like it was a uh, themed like a fight, like a it had like a championship belt on the front of it or something. For some reason, I'm thinking it was like military guys and like a and it was like it was like a badge or a shield with like mm. military guys fighting each other. I can't remember exactly, but um, but I, in my opinion, not without a fight and coming home hold up. Coming home is my favorite newfound glory album. Period. I want you. I'll listen to that. Yep. And I'll report back to you next week. Yeah. I want you to listen to Tommy the Cat by Primus. All right. Text it to me. All right, I will. Tommy the cat. And we're gonna have an exchange. I'm, I'm curious to see. I, 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 I have expectations for what you will think of uh, the song. Then you, you might be disappointed. Maybe. Or you know me so well, and you won't be disappointed, and you'll be like, I know you so well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's happening. All right. So, not without a fight. Not without yeah. a fight. Yeah. Tommy the cat. Tommy the cat. Anything else, bud? Uh, how much time do what, what are we at? What are we at mm, on time? What are we at? It's, I wish that it told you on here. here. Um, oh, oh yeah, we're yeah, we're good. We're pretty we're much. In there. I had other stuff I wanted to talk about. Well, we got five minutes. What do you want? And what do you got? I'm just other things that I think are funny, like the fact that Doctor Oz lost to fucking Fetterman. Yeah, um, it's what, a, that's awful, man. I mean, it is awful, but do you think it's legit? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I really do. I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. Um, I'm uh I, I got a really bad feeling, um, bad taste in my mouth after the last election. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. I I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. I should just put this caveat in. I, if it was rigged, I would not be surprised at all. But also, if it is legit, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. either because there's just such an element of Oz being some fucking dude from New Jersey, some celebrity. Mm. He's not conservative at all. Mm. Um, yeah. So he was a terrible candidate. If they would have picked just a slightly better candidate, they yeah. would oh, they would have won. I just fucked think? up uh, the cameras. Um, um, but yeah, that Fetterman dude. I mean, I don't want to be mean because the guy had a stroke. It's like Biden. I feel sometimes I feel bad for Biden. I don't want to be mean to this yeah, old man. Yeah. But uh, he's a child molester, probably. So I I just accept it. Um, I heard a story this morning that. Uh, a little girl smacked the president in the face. I don't know if this is Biden. I, yep, I could was be he sniffing her. Yeah, I think so. Oh, really? Yeah, it I was, was just joking. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he got into he got in her personal space. Uh, this is I just heard it this morning. It's I haven't verified it, so this is probably nonsense. But uh, I heard there was uh, some public thing, and there was a child there, and he did his Biden thing to the child, and she smacked him in the face. Nice. Yeah, which is which is awesome if it's true. Um, because because that little girl is going to be able to tell the story that she bitch macked the president of the United States I, uh, her whole life. That's a cool story. Tried to uh, tried to sniff me and I popped him. Yeah, gave him a fresh one. Um, but that Fetterman dude, did you see the debate when they were oh, like, "Oh man, it was so Fetter hard." They're like, "Mr. Fetterman, you're opening." He's like, "Pennsylvania, good night." <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I saw funny. I saw the clips. It was really really uh, hard hard for me to listen to, man. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. I mean. I couldn't even look at the TV when he was when I was hearing it. I had to look at my feet. It was so it was so hard to listen to. Apparently, he's like uh, he's been like living off of his parents' money his entire life. So I don't really feel that bad for him. Oh God! Oh God! Um, yeah, um, he's listen, a senator. I'll I know. I'll tell you what I noticed. Um, I've been 
uh, checking the news in the morning, and the first thing it shows you is the uh, the seats um, in the House and the Senate, the number of uh, Democrats and the Republicans that are confirmed, and it's just showing you who's going to have control. And um, in the early um, days after the election, the spread, especially in the House, was super wide. The, mm. the Republicans were running away with it, and then it was it was pretty much neck and neck in the Senate, and. The the Republicans had, had a I think one more seat up on the on the Dems, and then um, finally some of these contested races started coming in, and you noticed that the Senate race was narrowing, and they were, the news was kind of telling you that that was that was a likely thing anyway that they, that the Dems might hold on to uh, the Senate. Yeah, that starts narrowing, but then I noticed that the House starts narrowing, and that gap was so large, and now it's and now it's within a couple of each other, and that could be legitimate. But it reminds me of exactly what we saw la- last time, where the we we had huge changes in those margins that happened all at once. You know, um, like it, it, when the, the morning after the election, um, when Biden won, all of the all of the numbers looked one sided as everyone expected, and then all of a sudden they started narrowing, and then all of a sudden the impossible happened that nobody nobody expected. The Dems were pulling out victories, and Biden was pulling ahead, and all this stuff all at once, and that's what it looks like is happening uh, with the House right now. Well, with the last presidential election, the way I remember it is that I went to bed and Trump was winning. Yes, and then I woke up and like the line for Biden was like this curve, and then it just goes boop. Yeah, just like yeah. overnight, just this giant surge of votes for Joe Biden. Yes, yes, that fucking that's what seemed that. I don't know, man. I, it just it seems unusual to me. It did last. It did last time. It, it is this time. And yep. if and if the if the Democrats take a majority in the House, if that happens, I do not have faith in the elections anymore. Yep. If that happens, I am done. I don't even know if I'm going to vote anymore. I seriously, I seri- I am serious, man. I I don't blame you. Um, I I never believed in my life that my that my vote would literally not count. And I I'm beginning to think that it doesn't. And it's really, really disheartening. Yep, it's a bummer. It's scary. Um, do you think that there's anything that they can do to like reestablish your faith in it? Um, yes, they could. They could let some Republicans win. <laughs> <laughs> they could do a um, a real independent analysis of the voting system and the machines and the vulnerabilities and the, and the fraud. Uh, they could publish the actual information. They could apologize. They can reverse, uh, reverse election decisions. Um, they could, they can make it right and they won't. If they did something like that, if they did a legitimate th- independent third party uh, analysis, let's say like, let's say like they, I don't know, who would be who would be uncorruptible that might be able to do something like that? But let's say they they did something like that that was believable to the public. I don't know if it's even possible to be to be to happen and not be manipulated. But let's say we were all convinced that it wasn't that it was a legitimate uh, exploration of the facts, and they turned out that uh, there was fuckery, but it wasn't enough to make a difference. Um, make that public and move on. But they won't. They haven't. They won't. And that's what makes everyone it's suspicious. Very shady. Yep. And I also think that there's absolutely no reason, and this is something Joe Rogan said many times, there's absolutely no reason people should have to leave their house to vote. There's zero reason for that. There's also zero reason for early voting. There's zero reason for mail-in ballots. Zero reason 
we should have a we should have an, a completely electronic voting voting platform. It, it should require um, verification of identity by fingerprint, by by facial recognition, by something that is ear out you know beyond reproach. And uh, we should all be able to vote safely and securely at our leisure. Everyone should do it on. Everyone should do it in the same day or maybe the same week. There should not be fifty days advance voting. That's completely not nonsense. It never was that way. I mean, nobody ever had any problems with it. And suddenly it's a problem. You know, I, it makes me suspicious, man. We need to overhaul it and make it simple and make it safe and con- <coughs> and convince and convince all of us that it's safe and um, and uh, easy. You know. Yeah, I'm with you. When I so yeah, when I said that Fetterman was, I don't believe that it's rigged. I just believe that it could not be rigged. I think yeah, that sure that makes sense to me. That Good. people are like, "Fuck this guy, Doctor Oz yeah. coming in," you know. Could be, and especially because of the, uh, <coughs> the the early voting. Like I just said, uh, there was a lot of early voting in Pennsylvania. That means that means lots of th- thousands and thousands of people voted Democrat before they saw his debate. Yeah, you know. That's wrong. Crazy. Th- those people can't change their vote, and they didn't have the information. That's the that is the best case against <laughs> allowing such such a big span of early voting. Did you see all the flags blow over? You yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god! I sure did, man. So funny. The world is just like it's like an episode of Seinfeld, you know. Uh, as the as the great Kevin Smith might say, clown shoes. Fucking clown shoes. The world is clown shoes. I still have shoes. other stuff I want to talk about, but we're we're running late at this. All point. right, man. We'll save them for next time. And in the meantime, adios, we, we muchachos, muchachos. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode